The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Carolina with Columbia down the way. And sound effects you just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? It's Brooklyn in the house, without a doubt. And if you, and if you didn't know by that stinger, you can also tell by the lovely shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> there you go, loud and proud, folks. You gotta love it. Um, uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on the, your on um, whatever podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us. Recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on either uh, YouTube.com slash TheClickNation or Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. And shout out to anybody who happens to come through on either one of those uh, said channels. But for right now, we are going to get into um, a... Recap on Loki episode two, which just came out the, 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 the day before this recording. Exactly. So, you know, as always, the big time spoiler alert is in effect for uh, episode two of Loki. So in three, two, one, you may want to fast forward if you still have not watched episode two or even episode one of Loki. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you haven't, yeah, if you definitely haven't watched episode one, you definitely probably don't want to want to be here for this uh, or two. So first, we start off with um, first of all, shout out to Bonnie Tyler, um, <laughs> who is probably eating quite lovely uh, these days because of a couple of things. One of which happens to be uh, uh, her song "I Need a Hero" happening to show up, but not one. Um, but two places this week, actually. I thought it was three. Wait, was it three? Well, maybe it wasn't just this week because I think it was in the previous week it showed up in the Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah, uh, you're tra- right. 
You are right. So I, wasn't sure, I wasn't sure if you were wrong because I think you had a good point when you said in the last week. Right. But if you count a little further, maybe, then we, it's actually three. It is actually three. Yeah, because I totally forgot about the Masters of, of the Universal. Yes, because so uh, the song shows up uh, in, the, as Age of 70 said, in the Masters of the Universe trailer. It also shows up in the trailer to uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy um, um, game, which was just shown off this week. Right. And also here in the beginning of Loki episode two, which by the way is named the the variant. Uh if if anybody was kind of curious about the, the titling of uh the the episode. So yeah, it starts off with um actually it starts off at a rent fair in Oshkosh, Wisconsin in the year nineteen eighty five, uh where the where some T V A agents kind of show up. Because uh, at first you're thinking, okay, did they did they actually show up in the restaurants? And no, kind of find out really quickly that's not the case. And uh, they meet up with some, and some ladies like, um, hey, you know, you're not dressed right. Uh, some of us needs this, <laughs> you know. Um, I thought that was funny because what was it? 1980? It was said 1985. Right. Talk about. You know, I don't know, maybe that was like the early heyday of like Ren Fair stuff, or maybe it's like an early uh early adapter type right. of thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. In but the eighty in like the mid eighties, I don't know if I you know, like I was still pretty young at that point, so I don't think I had too much experience with seeing like Ren Fair style commercials. Right. You know? So Right. I don't yeah. know about you. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I was old enough to have probably have seen them, but I don't recall seeing too much about rent fairs at the time. So, um, but that being the case, um, like we said, it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which I believe from what I understand is the birthplace of Mark Gronewald. Really? I believe that that's what something I said when I read, uh, when I was reading through some stuff. So clearly there was a point there. Um, but anyway, so the TV is kind of kind of run around. They go into this tent. Um, one the 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 um, the team leader, who is the the team commander, who is called uh, C twenty, um, who I guess is the, the is uh, some actress named Sasha Lane. Because I was like, I was kind of wondering who she was, since they made a point of one, you know, giving her FaceTime. Um, and I was thinking she might have been a wrestler, but apparently that's not the case because of her name. But regardless, uh, she gets possessed, which is kind of curious, uh, and, and you need to keep that with you for uh, for a little bit. But she gets possessed and starts taking out the rest of the team um, and then gets uh, gets dragged away by the variant Loki that uh, we know that is going to be chased, that we're being chased. Um... And then she's going to go through the time door, which I just thought about this, and I don't know why I didn't bring it up the last time, but those time doors look like the same time doors from Quantum Leap, if you remember that show. Mm, it's been a while since I've seen that, so I don't recall. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of the same shape. They're like a different different colors, but they're kind of the same shape, and they kind of come you know, disappear and come in the same way. So I don't, I'm surprised no one has made that um made that um uh made that um thought up. Anyway, uh, so after that. Uh, I think we get to the to the credit thing, and then uh, it goes back to the TVA where Loki's kind of sitting at a desk, and uh, Miss Miss I wouldn't call her Miss Marvel, and that's not totally that is not right at all. Miss Minutes is quizzing um, 
is quizzing Loki on some stuff, just kind of as a recap to him and the audience at the same time about uh, you know how what the what it means to go over the red line since they did bring it up because I don't remember if they actually said specifically. I know they mentioned it as like, hey, this is the thing we don't want to do, but I don't think they've actually explained. Right, I think this is the first time they expand upon it, so I think that's a good point. Right. So, um, you know, Loki kind of being sitting there bored and reading some Jet Ski magazine, which is going to come up later. Um, uh, And he answers the question in a Loki-esque fashion and then starts swatting at Miss Minutes, which, uh, by the way, bad Loki, bad Loki. Leave Tarstron alone. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, but she gets away from from that. And then uh, Mobius comes in. Kit, and then um, happens to mention, like, hey, is that my jet ski book? Put that down. We got to go. Um, mm. uh, and then they go uh, to do some kind of, I guess, to, to do the briefing before they go to Oshkosh themselves to go um, check out what happened to the other team. Um. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Also, um, Mobius gives Loki a jacket uh, to put on, uh, which we come to find out in the, in the next scene that we're about to talk that we're talking about now. Uh, it says very on the back because as uh, B fifteen says to to make sure no one mistakes you for um, you know, to make sure everyone knows who you are, <laughs> a, a cosmic mistake. As she says, as, mm. as, the, as those two bicker, um, but Mobius goes on to explain uh, what's what's uh, what they're what they're going to be doing. Um, then Loki kind of goes into an explanation bet- about uh, the difference between illusion, but illusion casting and uh, uh, duplicate casting. You know, which I, I suppose is going to come into play at, at some point. We don't know, but they <laughs> they made sure to kind of make that be known. Um. So then they go into uh, they go back to um, the Ren Fair and they go check out the tent and this is where Loki starts doing like some criminal criminals acts like Loki starts doing some criminal minds esque uh, explanation <clears throat> you know as um, as everyone else tries to sweep the place and they don't seem to come across anything but it comes to find out he's just stalling for time and. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's like there's basically no clues to what's going on, and and, and Loki's kind of just stalling the time so he can kind of uh, bargain, but Mobius kind of sees through it and is like, "All right, let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here." Um. So then I think it cuts to um. Yes, it cuts to a meeting with uh, Mobius and Ravana Renslayer, which is a dope name actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in her office. Um, uh, Ravana gives uh, Mobius a a um, a glass of uh, we assume is alcohol, to which he prompts her to put on the desk where there there's a bunch of rings on it, um, which she promptly you know kind of uh, chastises him from doing because the apparently he has left uh, many rings on the good uh, on the good table. <laughs> right. Uh, in previous meetings, and uh, I don't know if you had this when you were growing up, but um. Um, the the uh, they gave uh, she gave him a coaster, a, a familiar mm-hmm. to me looking coaster because I've, I've I've grown up with those like little uh, hexagonal uh, coasters. Oh, I mean, I've had all sorts of different coasters throughout 
the year. So, you know, I just saw it as a coaster. I didn't recognize. It. I get, you know, I guess you had something similar. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, I think a lot of people had that particular type of coaster back in the day. Got so it. It, it was kind of funny to see that there. And I think people still actually use those kind of coasters. Actually, I know somebody. Somebody. I think there was a Easter egg uh, video that I watched. Somebody made the made out the fact that it was a, it was a hexagon because of you know. Oh. WandaVision. Okay. I was about to say, I'm like, my coasters are glass now, you know? Nice. This is an Infinity War coaster. It's I dirty. I need to wash this. Right. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Um, but yeah, no, but these are like um, like wooden corkboard ones that, like, right. that, 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 that uh, I know there are people that are probably still using. But regardless, um, you know, it was the kind of thing I, I kind of touched on. I was like, oh, yeah, I had those. Uh, but anyway, so they're talking about Loki, of course, and the, the fact that... Um, you know the, the the last mission was botched, and you know possibly about him trying to, uh, you know, um, basically saying, "Hey, this is Loki's last chance," or, or it's because the timekeepers are not helping. Happy, and um, they are looking at this closely, and also right. a couple of little, a little bit of more back and forth between um, uh, Mobius and her about as a agent as as uh, not agent as uh, Mobius says uh, another analyst that she's keeping on the side because she keeps mentioning about the how close the how much the timekeepers are um looking into this case um or looking closely into this case which basically says that hey she's been talking to them which no one's actually actually ever seen them in the course of the show but it's only been two episodes and she's we now know that she's the only one that's so far that's talked to him because even Moby says like I don't know I've never talked to him you know, uh, so she has uh, Loki. I mean, she has uh, Mobius sign off with a pin that they took great care to um, to uh, focus in on it, which says uh, Franklin uh, Franklin D Roosevelt on it. Oh, I didn't actually notice that. I mean, I saw that they focused in on it. I kind of flashed by it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So when it, when it, yeah when it first went by, I was like, wait a minute, and then I kind of backed it up and like see what was on it, and then yeah, it says Franklin mm-hmm. Roosevelt. And I think those, again, like those are Easter egg videos saying that they could very well be an offshoot of that one that uh, Tony gave Tony gave Steve to sign with during, um, yeah. But I don't know. Regardless, um, so they talk. Loki gets one more chance. Mobius leaves the the, the meeting. Uh, and Loki's right outside. I mean, Mobius. Yeah, Mobius leaves the meeting. He's right outside the door, and they talk, talk, talk. Um, and then Mobius puts uh, Loki to work on doing some research on uh, on the variant since, you know, since he's been tasked to help them catch him. Uh, and of course, Loki's being Loki about this and he doesn't necessarily want to do it. So he goes to the, I think this is when he goes to the library uh, and tries to get uh, information on the TVA and the start and the beginning of it, which uh, which the, the librarian person was like, uh, here's the here's the files you can get, and it's the and it's pretty much the ones having to do with the case. It's his file, right? Exactly, but it but also had to do with the case. That's all exactly. That's all. That's the only file he's cleared to see, right? Which was kind of funny because because after all that, he was like, all right, cool, and then she just gives him his file. Um, but he does. But it, it, in, it's 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 it's, bleh. 
it's in his file that he gets a little bit of inspiration. Exactly. It's after reviewing his file that he gets a little bit of inspiration as to what, uh, you know, as to as to where this variant that they're chasing might be hiding. Mm-hmm. And it comes after reading about the Ragnarok event, which destroyed Asgard, you know, in the, in in what would have been his future. Right. Which and, did you peep that, by the way, before you go, on, did you peep the did you look at that sheet? Like, did you look closer at that sheet? Which no? sheet? The sheet that he looked at the, 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 um, that was referenced, that you just referenced, the, the Ragnarok sheet. All I saw was his name. Oh, okay. So, so I was went back. Well, so it basically has, when I looked at it, because I, I paused it and looked at it, it had the number of people killed during it, and it had the number, um, like it basically had, you know, it's a class eight event and this and other than the number of people killed. I'm assuming it was like, like 9,000 something. Yeah. Something like that. Right. So I think there's the number of people killed and they call Asgard a planet, which I thought was kind of weird. So, but I don't know. Um, it is a world, you know, I don't know. I've always, I've always assumed it was like a planetoid, but you know, uh, you know, any, you know, in any event, right. uh, it's it's their way of categorizing it, so right. But I was you know. just thinking, like, it's just a realm that just whole happened to be like a full, you know, like, you know, yeah. I never thought of it as like, hey, it could be a planetoid, planetoid body. It was just a stretched out, you know, realm with a bunch of lands in it, and you right. Know. Well, you know, we're not getting into flat Earth theory, flat, uh, right? You know, uh, flat Asgard theories here, folks. <laughs> but uh, getting yeah. getting back to exactly getting back to the show, um. So it's from this that Loki gets this theory that uh, the variant is 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 hiding. And at first, I thought it was a whole bunch of cockamamie BS. Mm-hmm. But then, I, you know, once he started to explain, I was like, you know what? That actually makes a little sense. And I've right. heard a couple of reviews discuss this afterwards in the aftermath. And, you know, they, they all sort of had similar feelings. Like, you know what? It does make sense, but it first came off as kind of a little crazy. Right. And, um, you know, the theory goes is that the variant is hiding at the moments just before cataclysmic events because any changes they might make to the timeline there won't register because the destruction is immediately wiping out anything that they might change. Right. So... Uh, you know, they actually run a, a test of this theory by taking a trip to pre-volcano eruption Pompeii, which is just sad. Which I believe because... also they didn't. They did a similar thing in um, like Doctor Who. Um, oh, but anyway, yeah. Anything with time travel shenanigans, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, it was the only reason why I say it's sad is because literally Loki jumps up on this, uh, oh, you know, cart. horse yeah. push cart, yeah, pull cart or whatever. Mm-hmm. And starts yelling, you're all about to die in Latin. <laughs> yep. To which, yeah, so. exactly. Because he pretty much goes on this, like, hey, you know, go. Uh, he lets the goats free. Uh, he he, um, he t- tells everybody he's going to die. And, you know, nothing even matters. He starts throwing cabbages or whatever, other fruit or whatever. Nothing even matters. This is another. Uh, and the people are like, looking at him like he's crazy. And they don't, you know, apparently they don't even believe him because it's still kind of like they're looking right. kind of strange, but still go over about his business until. The next moment. exactly, and these what's 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 unfortunate is that these folks are completely ignoring the rumbling that we all hear mm-hmm. coming from the nearby volcano. Yep. So they're just ignoring it. So you know, what are you going to do? 
Mm-hmm. So in it, so so no, that test being um, you know kind of a, a proof of concept. They uh, use another clue: the pack of gum the variant left behind in 1549 France. This is from episode one. As mm-hmm. I said earlier, seriously, if you didn't watch episode one, there's no point in watching episode two. This is all spoilers. So this pack of gum was uh, identified as being a brand sold in mid-21st century America, so that's still in our future, and uh, and come up with the, uh, uh, a potential apocalypse event that they can go to, which is a hurricane that's set to destroy a, a Walmart-esque superstore in Haver, Haver Hills, Alabama, circa 2050. So it's called Rock's Cart. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Roxxon is still a part of the MCU, and Roxxon has been utilized in branches of the MCU, every you know, up to and including Runaways. So it's no surprise that Roxxon would have its hands in the big, uh, the big box store business, and uh, big bo- big box superstore business. And this uh, store is called Rock's Cart. Right. And that is when uh, a strike team from TVA with uh, Loki and uh, Mobius uh, tagging along uh, head off to uh, 2050 Alabama to this rocks cart. It's kind of bummed it wasn't Broxton again, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so they go into the superstore. Um, and it gets split into teams and, um, uh, Hunter B-15 is like, nope, Loki comes with me. This is not up for debate. Um, and Loki's like, all right, cool. I'll go with her. You know, I'll go with her and, you know, um, just to try to earn the trust. So, uh, Moby's goes one way with the team. Uh, B-15 goes another way, um, with Loki. Uh, and then they go search the store. They're also being seen by the variant through, which you would think they would have known, hey, there's cameras um, in a store. Like, I guess this is TBA, and maybe they're not used, they don't know the concepts of stores like that, <laughs> which you would have think they would have, uh, but dealing with the past, you would think they would have known, like, hey, there might be cameras or something. Maybe we shouldn't just run up, roll up in here. Oh, and uh, I forgot before that, uh, Loki does some magic on his clothes to, to dry him off because they just came out of a storm. Because that the storms, right. the storms that are closing in on um, that section of Alabama, that's which is the the um, the catastrophic event. But anyway, they go off their separate ways. Um, <clears throat> um, B fifteen and and uh, Loki. Um, I always forget that Alabama is so close to the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. I just do, you know, even though I know that. Uh, Bubba and his family live near Mobile, and they operate a shrimp boat at the southern part of uh, Alabama. It always, but I always forget boat. that they are right in the hurricane. You know, they're right in hurricane country. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's, like I said, it always comes back to the shrimp boat. But um, <laughs> so yeah, um, as this article says, it's time for a quick moon uh, when me Masako uh, appreciate the moment, and I agree. But anyway, besides that, um. Um, the the variant takes over. Uh, well, yeah, they come across a, a person, um, and and uh, B fifteen is like, could that be him? And Loki's like, yeah, could be. Uh, for some strange reason, B fifteen decides to get 
run up on them and only, only to get um, possessed, which also, like I said, again, possession comes back into play here um, um, for a reason. And then uh, Women Misako pretty much starts talking like uh, her, I guess, uh, a, a version of Loki or the version of Loki that the, that the variant is supposed to be portraying. Um, so Loki and the variant, uh, through, uh, B-15 are talking, are finally meeting each other. Um, and then they talk for a little bit. Uh, but also Mobius is, um, Mobius and the other team finds he's 20, which was the, um, the commander that was captured earlier in the program. Uh, and she's kind of, you know, uh, mumbling to herself talking about uh it's all real it's real you know real basically so is it just to say that something happened to her or i don't know say i couldn't i'm not sure how to play that off because like i don't know if it's like what she's what she's led to believe is is um you know not real well like we don't know what that that whole thing is about regardless i'm not even gonna get into it but we, she's just starts mumbling to herself about how it's all real it's real it's real um i mean i guess we'll find out at some point you know what that's about i think you kind of get an idea of what it could be about knowing given the nature of the tva and everything but you don't necessarily know um so uh cuts back to loki and the the variant talking through uh b15 um and um i think this is when um no so the variant kind of goes through a couple of other people, uh, take possession of a couple of other people, and every time they possess a part of the person, the other person uh, falls falls out, basically. Right. So, uh, so yeah, there's so Loki and the the variant are, are pretty much talking this whole time, uh, and including one time where Loki gets the the, the full beat out of him by the by this trucker looking dude. Um, until uh, this until. She decides to, to uh, drop the possession and then come reveal herself. And I say her because we come to find out that uh, once uh, the variant comes out of the shadows and lifts her cloak, it is definitely a female Loki, like everyone says. However, not a brunette. It's a blonde. So I'm thinking Enchantress. Well, that was my first thought. So especially when the line that she spouts is, this is not about you. Exactly. And... I was taken aback by that. It's like, oh, okay, so this is another character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not thinking that this is a, a... I mean, it's funny that to think that maybe in a variant timeline that this variant Loki is act, turns into the Enchantress at some point. Who knows? I feel like there was actually something in the comic that that happened, though. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I You know, I, I'm... I'm probably the closest thing to a Thor expert we have on the panel, but, um, you know, I, I can't say I know everything about it, so right. I can't say for sure. Right. That's an excellent, you know, that's an excellent thought. It's a good hypothesis, you know, whether or not, you know, we actually have a pre-existing story on that. I don't know. So, uh, also, I think, I know, and again, I'm going to uh, really quick, um, I cut to an Easter egg video that basically says that I think one of the uh, like at the in the one of the credits for whatever other language calls her Sophie. Right, I did see oh, an article Sylvie. about 
Right. Sylvie. Or, Sylvie, Sylvie which, yes. which, which apparently might have been a reference to something else. Which was a reference to, uh, uh, I believe, an enchantress um, alias. From what, from what I'm to be let to be understood, and uh, and of course, yeah, there are definitely um, there are definitely articles about that right now because of you know spoilers. Uh, so anyway, so whether that being the case, and um, like like I meet it was like okay, that's got to be an enchantress Loki. Uh, and I, I can't remember whatever uh, actual comic book story that was, if it, even if it was, or maybe I'm just tripping. But I, I feel like there actually was a comic um, comic version of Enchantress Loki that uh, that popped up somewhere. But regardless, um, cut to the fact that uh, we we also see during this time, watch whether whether talking um, some of the reset charges, and we definitely get we wonder why they're kind of being um, placed all over the place. And right. uh, it was after she gets away at this moment uh, where she actually, I think she had already activated it at this time. I think she had already went before she revealed herself, she might've already activated it and it was uh, counting down uh, to activate all of these charges, which shortly right. after this, yeah, which shortly after this, they all go off and they all disappear into the separate time doors as uh, she disappears into a time door herself. Um, <clears throat> and um, the last thing we see is people at the TVA scrambling because the whole, we see a whole bunch of divergent branches uh, going towards the, the red line, uh, presumably from all the, where all of these charges went to. And there is also lists of where they went to um, th- during the TVA. Some places we know, well, actually all of the places we know of in, in the Marvel, the MCU from what I saw, um, uh, upon looking into it and the, the TVA scrambling, Ravana starts scrambling. She grabs a, uh, she grabs a katana or, a, um, I can't remember what this small, uh, a, that's not a kunai, but regardless, she, she grabs a I weapon. It was a baton. Uh, it looked like, a, um, like one of those, uh, like, uh, one of those, uh, shorter, um, um, Swords, like almost like a short katana. I can't okay. remember what they're called, but I'm not sure. It could very well be a katana, huh? It's a wakizashi. Might be that short. Yeah, the short the short katana sword, like the pit, the twin, yeah. the shorter twin. Might yeah. be, yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure though. Like I said, it, it, you could very well be right, but because she grabbed it off because it was on the stand, like it was like they kind of have one of those on. So right. that's why I was thinking it might have been one of those and not a baton. But regardless, gotcha. she starts to scramble, and everybody else is scrambling. And then, like the um, variant Loki goes through the time door. Uh, Mobius and B fifteen, who finally wakes up, uh, they catch up with Loki, who also goes through the same time door. And then the the um, and the episode ends, but uh, as it closes, right. So. Um... But yeah, that I don't know. There, are, I know I've noticed that there are people who are kind of not on board with Loki because I guess it's because there's not a lot of action to it. Um, it's which, a different type of show. Exactly. Let me see. I mean, just given the nature of the character, right. Uh, it's going to lend itself more towards a WandaVision type pacing mm-hmm. where there's going to be a lot more uh, character driven story driven uh, storytelling and we're not going to see, you know, like the, the shoot 'em ups and the the big action sequences yet. We're bound to see one or two, but over the course of the six uh, episodes, that may not happen very often. Right. So, 
Um, but yeah. Oh, that was actually that was a part that I missed out on. I totally forgot about because there was that whole um, uh, line of conversation about the jet ski thing and, and ex- there was a whole existential um, a conversation that was in the uh, cafeteria. Um, actually, there was a couple of conversations conversations in the cafeteria because and we also see um, Hillboy in there as Loki's trying to explain his um his um his theory to Mobius as he's trying to eat lunch which actually was that was a pretty funny scene because Mobius is like no give me my lunch back come on um yeah and, and he's just messing up dude's uh salad or whatever the heck it was as he's cool boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I said I don't I've I've um yeah, we already talked about it we never got to go to it but basically uh that is pretty much that and uh we do definitely like I said I've talked about a couple of Easter eggs that we um that we have seen in this episode. Um, the one that we don't necessarily talk about are the, or that we hadn't mentioned or the actual places. Right. So this article mentions one of the Easter eggs that you, that you brought up, which is the Franklin D Roosevelt, but it says Franklin D Roosevelt high school. Right. Yeah. That's what it says on the pen. It's not the, right. Exactly. It's not the pens that FDR used to sign the Lynn lease act that uh, Tony was talking about uh, Steve Rogers using to sign uh, the superhero registration act or the, the, whatchamacallit, the, um, the Sokovia Accords. Right. But it could be a callback to that for in a, in a way. So we don't know. Yeah. Exactly, because I was thinking, um, wait, is there a Franklin D. Roosevelt High School that we've come across in in the MCU? I'm that... sure there's an FDR High School uh, somewhere. Well, yeah, but I mean, but that 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 we've come across in the MCU. So, and I I, I couldn't think of one, so I didn't. It, it right. was like whatever. Because um, that was the first thing I went to uh, when I saw that pen. I was like, wait, but but then like I saw where they were talking about the 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 pins from the thing so like eh, it could be something like that um right. also there's a great reference here uh I laughed when uh they had this exchange about uh Loki saying I would never stab someone in the back <laughs> I laughed out loud at that right 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 and she's like you stabbed you stabbed like 50 people and like well I would do it again I'm like okay yeah. But yeah, that 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 whole uh, exchange was actually pretty cute. Um, so let me see what else was. There? Oh yeah, so what else was I going to do? Like the whole conversation with the jet skis, which part of me had me thinking, like right before that part was like, I wonder if Loki is going to put it, have himself reset at the end of this, like just willingly have himself reset at the end of this. You know, just kind of keep things back in back in order because we already know that some of this is, feels like it's setting up for a Doctor Strange movie because you know with the multiverses and all that kind of good mess. But I'm right. kind of wondering to just kind of keep everything straight if that's what's going to happen at the end of this. I know somebody was like, "Yeah, this, this is going to end with uh, Owen Wilson." And, I mean, yeah, with uh, Mobius and Loki on a jet ski. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. But they did potentially bring that up for some strange reason, so we'll probably see it again. Uh, I don't know. Outside of that, let me see if I can see if I can. I can't find it, but there is worth noting that the places that come up that get bombed, uh, that branch off, are like I said, places that we know of in the, in the MCU. Vormir, um, Asgard, there's Rome, Italy here. Uh, what's that? Thornton, USA. I'm not sure what it is. Um, 
Where are you getting? The, is this from a, uh, another article that has like a diagram of the? Um, it well, I'm looking at the CNET. Time. Yeah, I'm looking at a CNET article which has a um, which has a screen cap of one of the um, uh, one of the screens. Okay. Uh, and it has the event and the date and the time and the location on it. And uh, but it was more than what this one just says. When and I can't remember the next uh, all of them. But basically, um, a bunch of places in the MCU kind of come up on on this. Uh, on this thing. So it means something. We'll we'll see. This is only the second episode, so we will see. Oh, I see the, I see the image. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and like I said, it's more than what that what that's showing because it's like if you go back and look at that on the um if you go back you happen to go watch back and watch it again, it, it floats through a, a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what comes out of that next uh episode. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to say, honestly, about that. <laughs> but, um, wow. That's yeah. not a bad, you know, that's not the worst, you know, imagine if this is the, uh, the, the catalyst for, I mean, we already figured this was a catalyst for, uh, Dr. Strange exactly. in the multiverse of madness, the same way as, uh, 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 Wanda's, uh, chaos magic emergence. You know, also being like a catalyst for that as well, right? Um, but imagine if you absolutely had to have watched Loki to figure out how we got to Doctor Strange, right? You know, like for those people, and this is a this, and this, and this is for those folks who are not into jumping on Loki because it's they've heard that there's not much action in it, right? You know? It's like because it's it's part of the story, and the story is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, and like I was trying to say, like, yeah, Loki's not necessarily an action hero. Look, you know, so that's the trying to, you know, trying to make that to be that is is kind of silly. Also, I don't know. I had this moment, like this between this episode and last episode, it was like the I felt like less is more with Loki when you because every time we've seen him prior to this, he hasn't really said a whole whole lot. Like he'll say a line or two here and there, uh, but you know, like talking He's as much kind as of, he, talking as much I'll, as he has during this, this episode point. during the shows, or like that's weird. I was gonna say to this point, he's kind of the audience avatar because he's learning as uh, along with us about the TVA, right? So you know, he's our point of view character, and we're just along for the ride as you know Owen Wilson and Gugum Bathara and. Um, uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, 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 uh Wunmi Masako. Yes. Wunmi Masako, uh, excuse me, yeah. Mm. Yes. Right, uh, you know, as they explain where we are. Right. You know, and what's going on. So now, he, now, now Loki's a little bit more in his element because he's gotten some time to figure out Wunmi Masako, I was about to say, because right. hearing Radicat say it makes her sound Japanese. But, uh, <laughs> Wunmi Masako. Um, but, uh, she could be, we don't know, but, uh, uh, in any well, event, she's Nigerian. Uh, I, I, do, I do know that. So what's that? She's Nigerian. Gotcha. 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 But, uh, but, but, um, uh, now that he's, like I said, now that he's in his element, now that he is, now that he is semi-informed and has, uh, the formulation of a motivation and a plan. Yeah. Now it's time for Loki to really step out. And, and 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 try to exert himself like you said 
uh, earlier, you know, stalling for time and trying to make a play. Mm-hmm. And Mobius sees right through it, at least at that point. Right. But unfortunately, uh, an opening is created because of the variant. It's nothing. It's nothing that uh, Mobius, short of literally handcuffing himself, which is probably what his plan was, you know, right. essentially, you know, short of handcuffing himself to Loki, um, uh, uh, you know, would have prevented. Right. Nothing else would have prevented what happened. That's the that's the kicker is that uh, Loki, you know, essentially was playing by the rules that Mobius put in place. And were it not for, you know, certain things happening that that, that Mobius just couldn't, you know, couldn't have dealt with that, you know, in any way to keep Loki in place. Like I said, the variant opened up the door for him. It gave him a chance mm-hmm. and he took it literally opened the door. for him. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. Um. So, yeah. So. Which also, I guess, um, and by nature of seeing the trailers for this uh, for this uh, show going into it, I think we can reasonably now assume that that image of what people uh, thought was uh, Black Widow is pretty much just Lady Loki, because I think mm. there was a, yeah, because we saw uh, an an image of Lady Loki possibly on board mirror or something. We don't know. We still don't know that part of it. Gotcha. Um, uh, sitting there and, and people thought because of the lighting it was and actually I kind of also did thought um, at the time it was Black Widow um, but it seemed like that might not be the case and I guess we'll uh, that might be another thing we'll find out next episode um, there was something else I was going to say but I think we'll probably move on because I, totally I totally don't remember I know there is some actually if you want to um, we can kind of uh, get ahead of the news a little bit and talk about some of the some of the stuff that's uh, related. Sure. Um, in fact, yeah, let me go ahead and do that right now. So, scrolling, scroll, scrolling. Oh, nice. Let's see, sorry about that, folks. We just got a uh, a ping that'll come up for later in the show. But uh, yeah, so as I go over here to the news, think. So first off, uh, Loki writer comments on a possible Secret Wars connection. Uh, Loki head writer Michael Waldron's commented on the possibility that the Disney Plus series uh, will feature a connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe adaptation of Secret Wars, which given how this episode played itself out, I wouldn't be surprised. Or at the very least, that what if show that we know they're doing. Right. Um, So it says, uh, we'll see, Waldron told uh, Murphy's Multiverse. You'll probably know, as well as I do, not everything um, is just in there. If the purpose of that whole... Uh, was to just indoctrinate the audience and everything. That's how the sentence went. Uh, yeah, we'll see how this plays out in the MCU moving forward. So I guess uh, as, as being asked of whether that was actually the case or not. Uh, next up, apparently uh, Loki will answer your questions about in-game's time travel rules. Um. Hmm. So in the, I'm going to assume the same interview because uh, you know how news uh, articles love uh, breaking stuff out. Uh, but anyway, uh, Lucky Rider Michael Waldron again revealed that, um, let's see, it says, it's like in-game laid the foundation of what 
for what uh, time travel is in the MCU, Waldron told Collider, excuse me, it's a different interview, uh, when asked about the new Marvel series, well, how the Marvel series will tackle time travel rules. Uh, he added, it was our job to build that out further and to identify. All right, how does this work? How does it look? Is time travel magic? Is it scientific? Is it engineered? Is it cast? So, actually, boom, there we go. Um... He also added that it was vital for Loki, the Loki writing team to both ask and define time travel questions as they wrote each episode, stating, uh, I think what's fun about the TVA is that uh, it's something remarkable, like time travel and really packages uh, it in a very soulless sort of bureaucratic way. And that's what's exciting to me as a writer was to take something so magical and just make it utterly soulless. So that is that. And then... The last one we will talk about on that one, because the rest of that, the, the one after that is about something else. Um, Loki sends a coded message by a new Marvel character, Miss Minutes' Twitter. And this is apparently uh, from an article from the beginning of this month. And which basically says that there was a Twitter account, uh, a Miss Minutes TVA Twitter account that looked like it on June 1st uh, put out a message in... I'm going to say Norse. Uh, yeah, in Norse runes, according to this. And, of course, people took to the internet and tried to decrypt it, and they seemed to possibly have what uh, what the message was saying. And if this is right, it says, once I escape this hell prison they called the TVA, I swear I'm going to burn everything to the ground. Which actually... Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, and we don't know whether this uh, Miss Minutes account is an official account, but it is being followed by the showrunners. Oh, that, that's a little bit of a hint right exactly. there. Um, so, yeah, it says, uh, the, the yeah, it's being followed by Michael Waldron and the showwriter Eric Martin. So, Interesting. Uh, so yeah, whether, so, you know, and that was from the beginning of the month. I don't know if that, um, if that, um, account is, has done anything else since then. Actually, we can find that out real quick. How about that? Exactly. I was about to say, I'm like, yeah, let's just check. Um, I'm curious. Oh, wait, there we go. There we go. Um, so they're just, so let me see. Yeah, they're they've actually been there. This it's been busy. Um you know, obviously retweeting stuff from the Loki official Loki account, but also saying some stuff in between uh in between that and um Yeah, so yeah. Um Power Strong gets a retweet, got a retweet off of it and they have definitely been saying some things. Um and yeah, it, is, it looks like it's playing off in a big, in a Miss Minutes fashion, I guess. If you if you watch how that uh, how they how they do that on the show, so there you go. So that is something actually. Um, I did not know anything about that account until un, until I saw this article. I didn't know about it until now, so right. I'm about to click follow. It does <laughs> itself the TVA official mascot. Yeah, just in case to see if there's a, there's a if there's anything else that, that I might, you know. Uh, might pop up on that account. Oh, um, oh, that's what I was gonna say. So, in closing, the one thing I was kind of wondering about when the the um, when lady when the theories about 
where Lo- Lady Loki is hiding out and um, her motivations or their motivations, I was kind of wondering if like, are they trying to bring back Asgard, which obviously we don't know that, you know, they were stealing the charges so they could reset the time to bring back Asgard for something. Cause that sounds like a very comic book as um, just a uh, uh, plot to do for something like this. Right. It's cause it was a variance like, yeah, well I, lost, I, you know, I lost Asgard. So I want to bring it back and you know, X, Y, Z. We'll see whether that has anything to do with anything or that's just me speculating. Um, you know, me speculating. But that is um, the recap uh, for Loki episode two. Obviously, we have another one next Wednesday that is coming up. And I am actually looking forward to it. Uh, that being the case, we can go on to talk about some comic books. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm looking forward to it, too. I, I definitely appreciate the effort that they're putting into crafting a really, I think, far-reaching story now. Mm-hmm. You know, especially seeing the, uh, the those reset bombs affecting the timeline like that. Yes. Roddy Cat had, you know, has an interesting idea as to how they might use those. And, you know, as I was saying earlier, I see all of this uh, being... Uh, the foundation for the Doctor Strange movie and a lot of stuff going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the articles that we were looking at uh, that were uh, recapping episode two were discussing or discussed in the article, in the respective articles, the idea of these branches being possibilities for the What If series as well, as well as other timelines, just as, uh, or, or, or as the the possibility uh, for the base for being the basis of other stories that, like Roddy Cab mentioned, like right. is this how we get Asgard back? Because let's put it this way: um, Ragnarok isn't the end; right. it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are familiar with how the uh, Norse myth of Ragnarok has been interpreted in Marvel comics, it's interpreted as a cycle, and uh the asgardians eventually return right. asgard itself eventually returns only for the ragnarok cycle to eventually come to pass many many years or decades or eons or centuries later so it's not a surprise it wouldn't be a surprise if asgard found its way back into the mcu only to you know eventually be destroyed again so right. it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility at all mm-hmm um, oh, and also one other thing that that's what I was going to say earlier. So one other uh, theory that I kind of had, I know other color, other other no, other people that I can't remember if we talked about it last um, episode. In that, I kind of wonder if it's the Council of Kings that are pretty much uh, uh, passing themselves off as the timekeepers. Mm. Like I kind of wonder if that's the case. There's potentially some hints for that and obviously since Ravana is involved and she's the one that's talking to him also that's kind of a that's kind of a thing that's kind of, you know right. a, a big enough thing to to kind of point to so but it's we'll a possibility see. yeah but we will see uh that being said like i said let's go on into and talk about some comic books and in lieu of the problems that we've been having the last couple of weeks i will not be flashing the covers um just in case. Right. Uh, by the way, update your OBSs, folks. Just just do it again. There's another one if you hadn't seen it. Because um, that's part. That was the problem. And the first book we are going to be talking about is 
Planet Size X-Men number one. And uh, if you are not, if you haven't been in the loop uh, in the X-Men corner of the Marvel Universe, Jerry Duggan is taking uh, uh, a lot more of a central role in uh, the X-Books. So Planet Size X-Men number one is written by Jerry Duggan. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Hickman is still the head of X, quote unquote. He's still the head of the X corner of the universe. But Jerry Duggan is going to be taking over the main X-Men book. And uh, in this case has written the planet size. Roddy Cat and I were just uh, discussing this, whether or not we would call it by accident planet sized. Because technically that's gen- that, that's the proper grammatical way of of, uh, of, of describing this. But uh, I think of it as a play on giant size, and that's probably what they're going for, as in giant size X-Men number one. So this is planet size X-Men number one. Perfect. As I said, it is written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, uh, letters by uh, VCs Clayton Cowles, as I fix a typo in my notes. Uh Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Big time spoiler alert for anyone who is behind on the Hellfire Gala stuff. This is stuff that was hinted at going all the way back to the uh, Marauders issue that started the Hellfire Gala. Because uh, remember, all of these Hellfire Gala issues across the X line of the books uh, essentially describe the events of a day, a single day, much like uh, the TV show 24 and it gives you timestamps as to when these particular um, events that the books are chronicling actually happen during the course of this one night uh, of the hellfire gala. So um, it's hinted at in the, the first issue of the hellfire gala crossover, that being the Marauders issue. And in the last uh, issue of Jonathan Hickman's volume of X-Men number 21, which came out last week, was also hinted at something was uh, happening where several of the more powerful X-Men were uh, uh, whisked, whisked away from the gala or something. And we find out in Planet Size X-Men number one what where they were going and what they were doing and possibly what Captain America was uh, commenting on at the end of Marauders, saying, you know, they might have created one solution, but maybe made a bunch of other problems with it. Right. I think, yeah, this is, I feel like this is definitely, especially, yeah, like you said, the, the fireworks and what we saw at the end of uh, X-Men 20, what was that, 21? 21. Yeah. Uh, last, what we saw, the, yeah. right. What we saw then, and then what we saw in, uh, was it Marauders that everybody was just kind of leaving in the huff and it was like, yeah, we're yeah. getting into the brief. So yeah, this is, I feel like this is definitely what they were, what they were, uh, talking about. Pretty sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, without, with, you know, it's, 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 it's safe to, you know, no one likes to assume knock on wood, but, uh, I think it's safe to it's safe to go there with this and 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 uh, move forward from there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, again, spoiler alert. If you haven't read Planet Size X Men number one, or if you are behind on your reading, just fast forward for about ten minutes or so because we're going to be talking uh, Hellfire Gala stuff in the wake of the announcement. Of the fire uh, of what happens during the fireworks of Planet Size X Men number one, namely 
that Araco is the first mutant world. How does that come about? Because the X-Men basically terraform Mars and create a new uh, uh, a new planet out of it. Right. So they basically, as I say in my notes, they basically did uh, in short order what it took the whole of uh, Total Recall to end up doing. Oh, well, actually, they went a step better, honestly. But oh, no, um, I was about to say, they, they, they created, I was about to say, they did a step better. They basically created another livable atmosphere. Right. So, which, I mean, um, yeah, which they kind of did at the end of, in a way, did at the end of the Total Recall, but it was more so, but yeah, they definitely, in this case, made a whole ass Earth-like environment out of, exactly. uh, out of Mars. Exactly. Um, and right at the end, we find, you know, and, and we're talking very broad strokes because the bulk of the issue is about how um uh Duggan is essentially extending the concept uh that 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 Hickman was using uh at the beginning of the Hox Pox run and throughout his you know uh uh run as uh being kind of like the central uh editor of these books or the central you know kind of coordinator of these books the shepherd yeah the idea of circuits of mutant circuits mm-hmm. and mutants um uh, enhancing each other's powers, you know, and using them in conjunction with each other to create and to further create, uh, you know, better and or farther reaching or further reaching effects. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find here that they were able to utilize a, you know, several mutants in combination and in sequence to literally create a world from, you know, create life where there was none. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and it was pretty impressive. The, exactly. the art on this was incredible. the The scope, just the scope, was just awe inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. it's not something that you you see every day. It's like you know what? Let's just make a planet, right? Like planet. a living, breathing planet. Well, I was about to say, yeah, let's terraform. Let's basically terraform this planet that was already like, hey, here you go. Here's the next uh, next one up. We just make it livable you know because the planet obviously was already there it's not like a brand new brand new planet (laughs) but no like hey let's just make it livable for us so weirdly thing about i was about to say in a sense livable in a sense uh you know in a sense brand new because it wasn't livable before Right. right um you know and obviously when we say uh, they just terraformed. They did a lot more than just kind of like, oh, just throw some dirt on there, throw some water on there. No, they literally had to enhance the planet's core. And, you know, talk about like a mix of pseudoscience and real science. All right, here we go. They pretty much used the Genesis device, but if uh, but if the Genesis device was made up of a bunch of mutant powers uh, all uh, working in conjunction. Come on! <laughs> there we go. There so, we go. <laughs> so yes, anyway. it, yes, but yeah, uh, I mean, I was very much impressed by this issue, um, you know. And I said at the end that there are a few notes. One that you know the the there's a the uh, the X Men basically uh, set up a, a a port. Oh, back up for a second. So the whole point of creating this planet and naming Araco is that they needed they needed to put the denizens of Araco somewhere else. Right. They need to get them the hell away from Kakoa because they were kind of creating some diplomatic problems. Right. Uh, you know, they they they're obviously not of earth, so they needed to 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 have their own place to kind of, you know, do their own thing and 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 
you know, behave the way they normally would right. and not have to abide by like earthly rules. So this was the solution that they came up with. And actually there was a couple of things that this, this, this planet was doing. Cause when it was that two, right. because of uh, what happened in X Corp, uh, they lost one of their um, medicine plants and apparently right. they come to find out that, yeah, people are asking for way more than they can supply. So they needed uh, to, um, to get another supply chain working up and what better way to do it. And then to, even though they had a couple of them, then to, you know, uh, make another place where you can do that. So yeah, this, this whole planet thing was serving a couple of different things. So the Reckon's got a new place to believe. They got, a uh, the, uh, Krakoan's got a new place to do, um, to make their medicine and for them also to live. Right, um, exactly, and that's that. That's what that's what that that was the main point is that they right. need to get them the hell off of Earth, right? So that they could live their own lives. Um, part of what they established on Arako, and they're calling it now one the first mutant world, and two the capital of the solar system. I was like, wow, we are really being presumptuous here, mutants. Yeah. So let's go back to the uh, first mutant worlds situation for one quick second because. I don't know if you remember that. I don't think you were reading. I think I might have been one of the only ones, uh, one of us who was reading this at the time. But uh, uh, Uncanny Adventures. I read uh, it. Did you? So do you remember I when? Remember <laughs> but uh, go on, go on. So, so there was a point in that book where, and I don't know if it was like a time jump or there was some weird, it was, that whole book was just weird in, in itself, where all of the mutants left Earth and went to another planet. And I think, and Janet went with, with the mutants because she was with uh, havoc at the time, which is still weird. Mm -hmm. Um, that's Rick Remender for you. Yeah, exactly. But they had a whole ass another planet and I'm sitting here like, well, this is so technically if that, and I'm, I can't remember how that he played out or they just like cleaned it off. Like they just wiped it off the, um, like they just kind of wiped it from memory or something like that. Cause it never has never come back up ever again. Like, so they could very well be something that's like, nah, it, it was just something for right then and there. And they pretty much reset the, um, reset the, the ball on that one. <laughs> they reset the world. So there you go. They had the little cancer and they reset the world after that. Um, after, um, after that whole book ended up being whatever it was, but that was a thing. So, Kind of technically, it wasn't this is not the first mutant world, but it's actually the first one that's probably like canon. Because right. it, it looks like we don't know. I can't remember what in the world ended up happening to that whole situation. Okay. So, I don't even remember it. So I know, remember that. Was, that's why when I was reading this, I was like, "Well, wait, I know that I remember that being a thing," and I almost went back and tried to uh, try to read about that, but I was like, "No, nah, I don't feel like it." <laughs> All right, and now and 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 uh, this was a. Uh, you know, the concept of this was a, a surprise to me, and now I understand why Sword may come up as a more important uh, book yes. in the next round of uh, Hellfire Gala books. Um, right, because there's something happened in this that brings Sword into a little bit more prominence with... Uh... Well, giving them an extra assignment. Exactly. So that's that's essentially what comes up. So that whole part know, was kind of up to you to read that. I was about to say it's up to to you folks to read it so that you find out what we are referencing very obliquely. Right, and I'm just going to say that 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 whole part where that came into play was kind of unsettling. <laughs> just a little, just a little. I'm like, oh wow. So that's how I, like you kind of took them literally, huh? And then just did that. Like, all right, that's but just you know, Jamie Braddock. Yeah. 
was I thought it was I thought it was pretty interestingly done. Like mm-hmm. I said, I was pleasantly surprised yes. with how they pulled it off. Uh, I did not expect that to be their ultimate goal. Right. I don't know if you had any inkling about it. Well, so uh, when I when I knew so when I when I read they were doing planet size, I was just thinking, okay, maybe they were going to do something with that space, uh, with that create, uh, with that Shi'ar space that they got, because we know they have space in Kriar territory and in, in Shi'ar territory. So I was just thinking they were just going to do something with that. I didn't think dude, this was going to happen. So, you know, this this kind of won up that one. Um, and as far as I know, as as far as I know, they still have that Shi'ar space. So, they pretty much said planet size X Men. You know, we 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 take that part kind of literally. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I had a I had an inkling that it had something to do with space. Right, and I had an inkling that sword was going to be important just based upon the reading list and Hickman highlighting that sword number six was going to be important. Mm-hmm. It comes out next week. Right. So. Um, you know, knowing that, I, I, I knew that it was going to be space-related, but I did not know that they were going to do this. So I mm-hmm. thought this was pretty impressive. And I really like some of the um, the data pages, the, uh, the the text pages that uh, that were included in this very Hickman style, very X-Men style, Hickman X-Men style now, right. which uh, had a letter from the X-Desk at uh, the Krakoan desk at um, uh, the FBI, right? Uh, or is it the FBI, State CIA, I believe. Yeah, it's the State Department or CIA. I can't remember. Honestly. I can't remember either. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, it's you know from the X desk and from NASA and JPL down over at uh over in Cali. I, I I really enjoyed this because it made so much sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of course JPL and NASA are gonna say this. Right. Right. You know, of course, they're going to react that way when they they find out about this particular about these particular events happening. So, mm-hmm. I, I really got a kick out of that. I thought that was a nice little uh, finishing touch on this issue. Exactly. Uh, that being said, um, I think we can probably move on. Sure. Um, but yeah, the shout out to well, definitely shout out to uh, Hickman. Because it, you know everything we found out during Hawksbox with the whole uh, with the, the the circus and everything kind of leading up to this just opened up things like crazy stuff like this to happen and you know having people being able to use it like like this in a way that in the past it was like oh no did we just like magic up or we just popped out a thing or or you know the resurrection protocols just happened to be a thing that I don't know some crazy way that the this mutant happens to be alive for some stupid reason. Or whatever other thing, but I, I do love all the couching in. Hey, you know, if you put the uh, the mutant powers working together like Marvel Ultimate Alliance style, they can pretty much do everything because they they pretty much have a mutant that could do anything they needed to do. You know, well now that they've all been resurrected, exactly, or at least most, or at least them. they can be resurrected, exactly. Uh, yeah, so they have something that's going to be able to do whatever the, whatever they needed to do. Uh, so yeah, shout out to all that. But anyway, let us move on to the. I guess we'll go on to stay in the X corner of the. Um, yeah, wrap world. Up, yeah, we'll wrap up the other uh, Hellfire Gala books from this week. 
Uh, next up would be next up in the reading list is actually New Mutants mm-hmm. number 19, mm-hmm. written by Vita Ayala with art by Alex Linz, colors by Matt Miller, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, you know, this this is one of those tangential tie-ins. Um well, you know, while while still carrying forward some of the storylines that have been happening in the pages of New Mutants, namely, um, you know, what I what I actually liked about this is I, it actually uh, picked up on the storylines that didn't necessarily need to have the biggest um, exposure. Mm-hmm. Even though you would, you could argue that it's getting a lot of exposure by being in the Hellfire Gala t- uh, crossover issue. Right. One being uh, Warlock's uh, personal issues with uh, with Doug Ramsey getting married, mm-hmm. and I really liked how uh, Vita Ayala dealt with this in the pages of this book. Right. It was just very organic, mm-hmm. and sure. there's some very. Um, personal moments being shared by some of the uh, OG new mutants. And, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff is, you know, has, has been simmering for a while, you know, in the pages of new mutants and even before, well before new mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if this character that pops up this, uh, this oh, person who's bag. In, what's that? The douchebag. Yeah. Is yeah. that, is that someone based on, is that a character based on someone in real life? I Probably, but I don't know because yeah, because at first I was like, I don't know if that was actually a person that we supposed to, you know, it's an actual celebrity. Celebrity, because if you don't know, if anybody doesn't know that there are actually celebrities, uh, um, uh, that they have earthly celebrities that they have uh, at the at the gallery. I was about to say real life celebrities. Real life celebrities. Yeah. Yes, thank you. you um, know, real life celebrities, celebrities, literally being drawn in, and we haven't seen too many lately. I think uh, the the vast majority of them were drawn into the earlier books as the uh, as people were making their way into the party. Right. Uh, there's there's definitely a couple in, in X Corp. Um, really? Yeah. I'll, as we as we go through that, I'll flip through and I'll let you uh, talk about it because I only skimmed it. Right. So, but um, in but yeah, that, mutants, as far as that dude is concerned, then yeah, I'm not entirely sure if he's a real person. Right. So yeah. So so as I said, in New Mutants. Uh, Warpath of all people kind of helps Warlock figure out what he needs to do, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because Warpath is is a character that has been around for a long time. He started out in the Hellions, the original Hellions, and made his way over to uh, the first um, uh, version of X Force under Cable, and it seems like he has become kind of a mainstay even though he's done a lot of x4 stuff and wet work type stuff he's kind of become a mainstay in the in in this group of new mutants as a younger um as as part of the younger crowd right and uh you know it's nice that uh warlock and he had had this conversation and and uh warlock is able to kind of get over his issues unfortunately one of the other storylines that's uh, carried forward in this book is the shadow king storyline yeah. having to do with some of these more physically deformed younger mutants and unfortunately what happens something bad happens to um honey badger or um, yeah. scout yeah, as now. she is known now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that part was like, oh no, oh. Um, yeah, that's uh, bad. It was, it was a bad, as bad news for uh, for one Gabby. So, right. so, but the thing I was kind of, well, the thing I guess we don't know, because 
Well, I don't. Not, well, I don't want to spoil this. We'll talk about it later. But the, what exactly is her state at this at this point? Right. Well, considering that she's got a mutant healing factor, and the person who is the um, uh, at this point the antagonist of the new of this group of the new mutant story right. is a psychic. It's and that's probably what I was thinking. psych related. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like you pretty much blanked her mind or something like that. Because yeah, because because weirdly enough, if you see, if you see the page where she shows up, because she had been missing and, and Laura's been looking for her this whole issue, um, in an anime sense, it looks like she's dead. Right. But yeah, like like given what you just given what you said and what I thought also was like yeah, that seems more likely the case than than not because it makes sense because if. If she actually was dead, which would be a hard thing for her to uh, for to for, to happen to her, she could still be resurrected, and that would be that wouldn't really take her off the board for as long as they probably as he probably needs her to be. Um, but it's still sad, regardless. Um, especially seeing the letter that she writes at the end of this issue, because yeah, this has definitely been the thing that's been uh going through a, a couple of issues, uh um. Um, her, you know, hanging around with these other mutants and her uh, relationship with Lara and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So to see that the, that letter at the end of this was kind of slightly kind of heartbreaking. Uh, even though, like I said, we know I, I, we would hope at some point this is gonna, um, you know, this is nothing permanent. Uh, but also with the um, the Warlock thing, I don't know, did you have noticed anything with the art? with him well that it was a very stylized depiction of warlock yeah there was a couple of them there were a couple, couple of um well i'm not trying to make a thing into a thing but there was a couple of uh there was a, a, a couple of um art choices like especially in the beginning that seemed a little weird that some some people would probably take a certain way but um you know like i said i i, I don't want to believe that that's that that's uh, 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 what they were kind of going for. I'll put it that way. But also, um, it looks like he has dreads. Th- well, kind of on the along those lines. Let's say, yeah, it's um, there's a there's a, a depiction that one or two of the, that one or two of those um, of his um, panels look a little bit of a problem. Could be potential looked like a little bit of a problem if you if you take it that way. I'll put it that way. Um, but that aside, uh, yeah, like I said, the whole other interpersonal things between like the, the whole storyline with, uh, Ryan, uh, Rain, I keep wanting to call her, I'm about to call her Ryan again. We know, we already know what her real name, uh, how to pronounce her name with the whole thing right. with Rain. Um, it's, it's still kind of up in the air and they're talking about that. And, um, um, that one little splash page with, with, uh, with, with, uh, Shan was actually pretty cool too. <laughs> You know, oh, when she steps out in her uh, yeah. Hellfire Gala uh, gown, right? Because we we rarely ever, if ever, see have seen her like that. So it was like, oh, all right, go ahead on, Shan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it's all part of the character development that they're trying to put forward for these new mutants. Is that they're they're not old, they're not g- truly grown up, except for maybe Sam, right? Because he's you know he's now a parent, but. Uh, you know, the rest of them are still all, you know, in their growing up phase. So, uh, you know, they're all, you know, this is still, they're, they are still developing as young people. 
um, in this. Well, so, but also, the, I know what you're saying, but Sam's still growing up himself, even though he is a parent. So, right. no, but you know what I mean. Like, as I know what you to mean, be, though. Yeah. Like, he had more responsibilities. Being a than young others. parent, right? Exactly. Because right. young parents are still growing. But right. you know what I mean? Like, they're still like young people still finding their way. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, also, I'm, I was trying to also flip through this book to see if there was actually any. Because I feel like they've made a point to kind of put a couple of actual celebrities in 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 each one of the books. And yeah, it doesn't seem like this one does uh, has anybody of note. I didn't necessarily, yeah, I didn't necessarily spot them. Usually they're easier to spot because they will highlight the exactly. face. And I was assuming that the, 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 the celebrity was this uh, jerk face who was uh, messing with Shan uh, the whole time, or right. Shan the whole time. And uh, I, I didn't bother to try to look up who that might be. Right. But, uh, you know, I was just very, very much curious. Right. And the only other person you could think of is like, there's on page like five or something where um, Danny and Warlock is taking a picture of somebody, but they don't really focus on it that much to be, to, to that it could be anybody of note. So um, that being said, we can move along to, to X-, X Corp number two. Uh, um, I can do all that. right. So you can take the. I was about to say you could take this because I'm going to go look through this and see if I can spot famous people. Yeah, there's one you'll definitely. I feel like you'll definitely know. Um, and there's a, and there's somebody else in that same panel. But anyway, uh, so the creative team is uh, written by Tinny Howard. We're talking about Export Corp number two, written by Tinny Howard. Uh, art by Alberto Fache. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Color artist Sunny Go, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So this is also at the gala, and um, this whole thing is pretty much uh, Monet and Warren having meetings, or conducting meetings with uh, potential board meetings and um, or uh, board members, excuse me, during the course of the gala. They're also meeting with this one, or we're going to be meeting with this one human. Uh, for business reasons, uh, as we've come to find out. So I think most of the meetings that they were taking were to try to find prospective uh, board members that they're trying to fill seats for. Um, uh, And like I said, the one's human who's trying to strike up a business deal with them, who also had a meeting with uh, another set of mutants who... um, we're going to go ahead and say it's stuck the the Fenris twins who are pretty much Nazis. No one likes them. Uh, and that has come across very nicely in the, in the course of this, uh, book. And they also get, um, they get their asses handed to them, which is also good to see during the course of this, this, but yeah, so this is, uh, money and Warren trying to navigating through the, uh, through the galley gala, uh, taking all of these meetings and trying to find the board members, some of which, um, uh, particularly like Jamie Braddock's, trying to give get uh, a little bit more insight as to what his role would be if he were to take said board member um um role because he seemed to be all happy you know in his lab work or whatever the case may be so he's and he's kind of felt like he's been uh put off um uh during the course of this so he kind of you know makes his way to try to um Try to talk to both of them to kind of get a little bit more insight, and because because like I said, it kind of felt like they were just kind of putting them off. So uh, 
they were also taking meetings with Celine, um, who's pretty much dressed like Bayonetta, as I, um, if you know video games, if you, uh, she kind of looks like that. But also, um, who else were they talking to? Actually, I totally forgot the other meetings that they're talking to that they were talking to about this. Oh, um, Mastermind. Um, and who else? There was another meeting. I thought. So it, it was Mastermind, Celine, uh, the Fenris twins. Oh, Roberto DaCosta, Sunspot. Right. And Neil Shower. And Neil Shower, yeah. Second, so, the, third, the second or third Thunderbird. Thunderbird. I was going to ask you about that because, yeah, that one I don't remember. Um, that was from Extreme X Men. Okay. When Claremont did that branch off uh, book and uh, he called them the Extreme X Men. Gotcha. So yeah, so like I said, they were navigating the uh, their way through all of this during the course of this book, and that's that's pretty much uh, how this book kind of plays off. Like I said, outside of the uh, Fenris twins getting their behind beat for being uh, duplicitous uh, because they're trying to uh, get in, they're trying to find out stuff about their new headquarters, floating headquarters, or whatnot. Um, Sunspot's mad because uh, you know because of the events of last issue when. Um, the the um the lab the, the the medical lab that we talked about getting uh getting blown up in Savage Land or yeah getting blown up in Savage Land happened because a lot of his money was tied up in that I guess or a lot of his money is tied up in the X Corp but basically so he was kind of upset about that as a you know as an investor um, but also apparently he was going to be on the board member of course Bobby's being Bobby um, but did you did you um but that's pretty much it did you catch uh, did you see the Right, so I see a few panels that okay. seem to have celebrities drawn into them. Mm-hmm. The first one, I think, is DMC because mm-hmm. of, based on the glasses and the fedora and yep. the goatee. There's another black man on the right side of that panel. Mm-hmm. Who is that? That I'm not sure. But it definitely looks like someone who would who was drawn into the book. Right. Right? right. And then... As we get towards the end of the book, as we get back to the party, mm-hmm. um, there is a panel with uh, a, a gentleman and lady, a, a brown-haired dude and a blonde-haired lady in a blue dress holding champagne flutes. Um, yes. I'm not sure who that is, but that definitely looks like someone, some people who are drawn in. Mm-hmm. And right. and the top right also with another drinking class exactly. also looks like someone who was drawn in, but I can't tell you who that is. Yeah, I don't I don't know who those were, but yes, I also noticed those. So yeah, you I think you pretty much called everybody just as just as uh, much as I did. Interesting, so. interesting, interesting that DMC's in there. I may have to pick this up now. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Obviously, he has you know big comic fan. One has dealt you know we have done some things with Marvel as well as his own right. comic books before. So yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much that. And that is the end of, uh, the X corner of, for this week. Um, do you have another book you want to throw out there before we go to wrap it? Yeah, yeah we're going to do a little bit of the heroes reborn stuff. Okay. Um, because it is coming to an end. Yes. Heroes reborn stuff is coming to an end very quickly because, uh, we have now hit heroes reborn number seven. 
This is actually the last issue of Heroes Reborn. Next week, we're going to get Heroes Return number one, which would make this kind of a, that's kind of like a, even though it's got a, because it's got a different title, it's got new numbering. Right. But it's the, it's the ending of this particular series. So it's in some an eight issue series in, you know, when you, when you look at it in some, but um, Heroes Reborn number seven, uh, written by Jason Aaron with uh, main art with art on the main story by Aaron Cooter, uh, pencils on the backup by Ed McGinnis, inks on the backup by uh, Mark Morales, colors on the first story, the main story by Dean White, colors on the backup by Matthew Wilson, and letters on the whole thing by VCs Corey Pettit. And what we get in the main story is uh, really the the squadron coming to terms with what they have been discovering over the course of the you know some of the uh, the 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 present day uh, uh, parts of these stories because some of this stuff has been happening you know in flashbacks some of it has been happening you know over the course of these seven issues when it comes to the squadron supreme of america uh main storyline we've gotten some of it in flashbacks but most of it in current day and what they've been discovering in the current day are these oddities kind of uh uh, uh things that are not, that are aren't sitting with people the right way and obviously as the avengers are start, are starting to be uh, awoken and revived um the term avengers seems to become more and more prevalent in their uh in their lexicon and they actually meet about this and uh you know they they meet about they meet to talk about wh- how, what they're going to do and of course they use this time to um you know, Hyperion tries to use this time to talk about his feelings, but uh, uh, Nighthawk, uh, you know, figures out that uh, there really is something afoot. We also find out that uh, there was a, a, their version of uh, uh, of, of uh, Civil War event that happens. That's actually right. uh, described at the beginning of the uh, of the story. Right, they bring that back and as again. They, Say again. They bring that back up again because I think because they it was mentioned last week within the uh, the the uh, power princess issue, right? And as um and as they investigate what uh, uh what what you know what was uh uh what call who is this um who who are the ones that that found out about uh, Cap being in the ice. Uh, oh, uh, Blur and um, um, uh, Power Prism, or not Power Prism. Uh, Dr. Um, Spectrum. Dr. Spectrum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because he's holding the Power Prism. That's right, not his name. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, so Dr. Spectrum and Blur find out about uh, Cap's body being removed out of the ice. And, uh, uh, you know, basically the squadron go to investigate while, um, you know, uh, certain, you know, while they uh, they uh, look into other things and they they actually do a quick flashback to um, an alpha flight, uh, uh, a mission against alpha flight that actually ties into this week's um, heroes reborn tie-in oh, book. Yeah. Directly but from actually. Tease. Right. It's just the tease for that. So if you want more of that, you should take a look at that uh, weapon X and alpha. What is it called? Uh, weapon X and yeah. Uh, weapon X and final flight. Final flight. That's yeah. it. Yeah. 
Which yeah, I'm kind of scrubbing through it right now while you're while you're talking. So I, I flipped through. I flipped through. It was interesting, but it's not you know it's nothing that needs to be, uh, you know that that's a essential reading unless you're really curious about uh, what happened with the with the set of characters based right. on this little short uh, two page uh, spread in the main Heroes Reborn book. But as I said, the Squadron are investigating. They're trying to track down. Um, you know, who or what these Avengers are. We find out that we there actually was a, a version of the Dark uh, of the uh, Squadron called the Dark Squadron, which is kind of like um, uh, 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 coming out of um, Secret Invasion. There was, uh, oh, what was that? What was that uh, event called with uh, Norman Osborn taking over the security apparatus? Dark Rain. Um, Dark Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a version of Dark Rain that happens to these characters as well, mm-hmm. and we even find out there was a One More Day bit with the uh, with Blur, you know, his own version of One More Day. Mm-hmm. But at the end, the Squadron Supreme of America uh, tracks down, um, you know, this this you know mysterious energy signature, which we all know as vibranium, to what would be Wakanda. And uh, it turns out that that is where the Avengers have been uh, regrouping and laying in wait. And now it looks like we're about to see uh, the throwdown in Heroes Return. There is a backup story that involves uh, President Phil Coulson, uh, Secretary of Defense uh, General Thunderbolt Ross, and uh, Press Secretary uh, J. Jonah Jameson, and some um, machinations going into effect. And we finally find out how everything happened you know we don't have confirmation as to how exactly it's done but it is a variation of an older theme with mephisto being right at the center of it mm-hmm. you know that is me being very very much oblique about uh and and and, and vague about what's happening because i thought this is i thought this series was fun you know it's a nice little what if type of story yeah uh you know kind of told in real time in real continuity you know it didn't take that long and luckily they all came out fairly timely i don't think they missed a week so right uh, they got they were able to get this out uh on time it feels like um this would have been um well it, it ends up being like an early summer event mm-hmm. you know like it's not quite you know it wasn't quite summer when it launched but you know it's kind of like an early summer event for the Avengers, so I like you know I'm I'm enjoying this. It's fun, right? I mean, like I said, and, and as much as much as I hate to bring this point back up, but we still, even though we know how this world kind of sort of came into being, we I guess this that's going to explain um what's ever going to happen in the the Avengers, assuming that has something to do with this. Uh, because we know, you know, the, the, or make sure we don't. And I could be very much as like, no, it's not going to go. It, it's just going to jump into this here. And then when it gets back to Avengers, we're just not going to see anything from it. Like it could be a future state situation where we're already seeing what's going on, but you know, we'll get to the point to where it actually, you know, the catalyst actually happens uh, in the next issue or two of Avengers, but we don't know. So, which is the, actually that's kind of been the thing that's been sticking with me. I was like, okay, so where exactly this is like, where was the snap? That's the thing I've been kind of wondering. Like, where was the snap? Snap that made this happen. Um, and I don't know what. And it, at this point, it kind of 
doesn't matter as much because like I said, we've pretty much gotten this event over with at this point. So, um, and yeah, actually I just finished reading that, uh, just coming through that, um, that tie in book. That's interesting. So we're going to end up, uh, with the heroes return, uh, book next week and to tie this all up in a nice, neat bow. And mm-hmm. the other, the other thing to, to kind of, I'm going to be curious about coming out of that is like, okay, well, how are they just going to, like, are they going to end it out there or is it actually going to come back, go back into the Avengers book, you know, in some kind of way, you know, coming out of this? Because like I said, because when we last left the Avengers book, they had just finished that tournament uh, for the Phoenix thing. Uh, and then this just happened. Like, there was no, there was no just like pop going into it. Like, it's just a thing that happened. Unlike the original uh, Heroes Reborn book, if I'm not mistaken, or the event, whereas the the books that stopped pretty much got to a point and led into this with the catalyst. Um, right. For I mean, the, uh, the books kind of stopped. They had an event, uh, no, the onslaught event, right. and that's what that that's what started Heroes Re- uh, Reborn. Right. So they did have a separate mini event called Heroes Return back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, there be that. Uh, that being said, I think we're done with that. Yep. Um, well, you know what? We didn't necessarily talk about that here, that tie-in book. We did at least very much mention it. So, technically, that's that. Uh, we want to go into rapid fire, yes? Absolutely. Hit it. I ain't got time to move. <laughs> Rapid fire, Kuz. All righty. Shall I lead off? Sure. What actually do you have? Um, yeah, go for it. All righty. First up is Berserker, number three, written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kint, with art by Ron Garney, colors by Bill Crabtree, and letters by Clem Robbins. So this is another look into... The character doesn't have a name, but I'm going to call... The character Unute, uh, apparently this is um, uh, another word for tool or weapon to these kind of uh, 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 primitive type folks. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, it's kind of tough to figure out what timeline we're talking about here. But, um, you know, these are, you know, barbarian types and, um, you know, still still very much on the, uh, the early side of... Uh, of uh, technology, you know, very primitive technology. So, um, uh, you know, uh, without spoiling everything, you know, we found out last issue how uh, this Unuti character came to be. And now uh, just two years after uh, uh, this character is born, uh, he's basically a a young man wreaking havoc as a, a tool and a weapon for his parents, or his father, father specifically, who is trying to expand the, the his rule over, um, you know, over a certain geographic area, and that's essentially where we find where we leave off here. It's a really, you know, um, it's a really uh, kind of action action filled issue. You know, lots of um, figuring out what this character might be going through and why he's feeling the way he's feeling. Um, it's probably an important issue if you want to 
uh, stay on top of the character's motivations and how the character is going to be reacting to some of the stuff he sees in present present day moving forward. But um, you know, it's still early on in the series. It's still an interesting read, right? So wait, you just said this was the Keanu Reeves? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, like I think we talked about this before, where this kind of feels like another Valiant book that I believe Matt Kent has some writings into. Um, like Eternal Warrior, exactly. Like it feels like it has shades. Of that. Like I haven't read this. Uh, I think I read like some of uh, the first issue, and I'm like, it feels like it kind of has shades of that. Even though I never really read that book all that seriously, or or actually much at all ever. I kind of glimmed an issue of that, but it kind of feels like it's a similar thing. Gotcha. But I don't know. Anyway, next up. Next up is Captain America Annual Number One. It's written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Marco Castiello. Um, fixing some typos in my notes. Uh, inks by Vincenzo Acunzo. Colors by Ruth Redmond. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I was about to say, there's a bunch of uh, paisans over here. Um, this issue provides a closer look at the criminal Hector Bautista, code, now codenamed Overtime, bonded with the Time Gem slash Time Stone, chased by Cap and Black Widow. Bautista essentially wants to change his past in order to try to redeem himself, but is not yet able to do so. And, you know, that's why you know, he's, he's learning that he's able to manipulate time, but to what extent he doesn't know yet. All right. Next, uh, you know, and, and as uh, uh, as a overview this is part of the infinite destinies group of annuals that are coming out this summer uh to highlight the uh, humans who have been bonded to the infinity stones infinity gems as a result of what happens that happened at the end of infinity wars like two years ago okay so i was kind of wondering like it felt like these were coming out of the blue okay that makes sense because i don't remember reading that yeah, I read it. I read a little bit. I, I I pulled it. You know, it was okay. It wasn't great. Right. But, you know, I'm uh, I'm pretty certain all of it's on Marvel Unlimited now, so you are more than welcome to catch up on it. Mm-hmm. After you read Hulk Feature Imperfect. <laughs> but, because uh, somehow Roddy Cat still hasn't read a two-issue miniseries. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Like we're, Next we're up is any, Fantastic um... Four number 33 in the um hulk books coming out or maestro books coming out right (laughs) written by dan slot art by rb silva and luca moresca colors by jesus abertov and letters by vc's joe caramagna this is absolutely a potential click of the week for me uh you know as strong as planet size x-men is Hmm. I was in awe of how what they were doing in Planet Size X-Men number one, but I got such a kick out of Dan Slott's uh, storytelling in this and R.B. Silva's art in this. They're, they're storytelling together and how they uh, told the story of, um, you know, minor spoiler alert, it has been in the solicitations, it has been in the, the comic book news, but if you aren't uh, aren't aware, spoiler alert again, Dr. Doom is getting married, right? And uh, his bride is none other than Victorious, the lady who has been introduced, this character who's been introduced in the pages of Slots FF, you know, since early on in the run, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And, 
and uh, she is, um, you know, she is his, uh, you know, uh, fiance at this point, you know, at, uh, early on in the book. And the FF have been invited to play certain roles in the wedding uh, by Victor Von Doom, and they are, uh, you know, they essentially head their way, make their way to the wedding early in the issue. We get a reappearance of a tiger who apparently is still alive. And if you are an old time FF fan, you will understand the editor's note in the book and uh, realize that this tiger has been around for a long time. Uh, Johnny Storm is trying to uh, reach out to Victorious because of something that they did in last issue. In the last issue. And, uh, Believe it or not, it it does come up. It doesn't come up the way you think it would, and all hell breaks loose as a result. But it does not come up uh, as you think it might. And, you know, the way it comes up and the way it is depicted is a joy to behold. An actual, actual joy to behold. Hmm. Okay. So... It's just very, very fun to read. So this is a potential click of the week for me. Uh, next up, we did Heroes Reborn, Mighty Valkyries, number three, uh, written by Jason Aaron and Torun Grunbeck. It's essentially told in two halves of the book. Uh, art on the first story by Mattia Deulis, art on the second story by Erica D'Urso, colors on the second story by Marcio Meniz, and letters on the whole kit and caboodle by VCs Joe Sabino. So believe it or not, I had kind of lost track of what was going on because I think this dual storyline or parallel storytelling um, style was getting to my memory. And this is one of those times when I absolutely, absolutely appreciated the uh, recap page at the beginning of the book. And if Roddy Cat is not up to date on this, I would absolutely recommend that you read the uh, the the notes page at the beginning of this issue, mm. the, uh, the the recap of the previous several issues, because it is only issue number three. So but, I read, uh, I read this happened course of the first two issues. Right, I read issue two yesterday, so it's, okay. I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah, but good right. to know about that though. It definitely helped me process where we are and what's happening in this book. Mm-hmm. So that being said, uh, you know, uh, you know what's happening with uh, with Jane Foster and 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 Loki and uh, you know Craven the Hunter makes a weird appearance, but there is a real reason for it, and there is some Norse stuff afoot that Craven has been hired to take part in, and uh, you know it's it, it's uh, it's definitely proving to be an interesting uh, he, he's an interesting foil for uh, Jane Foster as a, a relatively new hero in the form of Valkyrie, not necessarily new as a hero, but new in uh, the form of Valkyrie. Right. Uh, in addition, we also have the story of Runa, the, uh, the character who essentially is based upon the Tessa Thompson uh, Valkyrie character in the MCU, uh, trying to make a getaway with a character who is uh, kind of a, an Oracle uh, and they're on their way to, to, um, Vanaheim, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with Hela, which is uh, to you know, which is probably going to tie both of these parallel stories together. So you know, I'm uh, I'm not trying to you know describe everything in detail, 
uh, because I think Roddy Cat is going to end up reading this, but I definitely needed that uh, that summary at the beginning to really process what was going on. And now I feel a lot better about uh, where the story might be going because I think I see where everything is going to come together hmm. and how. Uh, next up is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 27. I know Roddy Cat read this. Mm-hmm. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Carmen Carnero, Colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So uh, Miles and and Salim, his one of his one of his clones, his evil clones, or uh, not so evil clones as we tend as we as we come to find out, um, uh, are are essentially uh, having uh, a back and forth because Miles unknowingly destroyed some of their research into trying to stabilize their mutations and their. Um, their 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 bodies because they are they weren't meant to last much the same way the previous clones um, of Miles were meant to uh, disintegrate after uh, a certain time they were meant to disintegrate too and they had worked something out to try to halt the um, the decay and Miles unknowingly destroyed that work and now Salim is looking for revenge and he takes. Um, the the psychic one who who, who also has a uh, spider uh, spider arms in the back like uh, like uh, like he was like Iron Spider or uh, Doctor Octopus right Mind Spinner uh, Mind Spinner I was about to say I know he has a cone name because mm-hmm. he has these uh, psychic powers and uh, you know he takes you know he takes Mind Spinner to uh, to uh, exact a plan of revenge. And uh, and to bring a, a particular hostage back or a hostage back, mm-hmm. and uh, Miles is left uh, trying to get out of this uh, this webbing, which apparently is uh, of inferior quality to his own, which is obviously based on uh, the original Peter Parker's webbing. But um, cl- uh, what's his guy's name? Not Shift. Shift. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so. I know you. You did the same. You were about to do the same thing I did too, because I wanted to call him Globe, because that's what pretty much all he says. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's not Glurp. Yeah, it's Glurp. I was like, oh. So yeah. So Shift is, um, you know, Shift basically uh, grows a soft spot for Miles and and lets him go, and uh, it basically, you know, there's basically a, a chase uh, through. Um, uh, I'm not sure which hospital uh, Rio Morales works in. Uh, Brooklyn University. Oh yeah, Brooklyn University. It's it's probably a, an amalgam of different hospitals, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know, based on uh, some of the real life hospitals that I know know of. But uh, uh, ultimately, Rio uh, was a potential target, but it turns out there are other targets. Yes, as close to Miles as she is, right? Um, to which we find out at the end of the issue. Um... Yeah, I get caught up with. I get a kick out of the fact that Salim's hairstyle is super retro. Yeah. Super, super retro. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen anyone cut a line like that in a long time. I feel like there's probably still a couple people that's doing it, but yeah, you're right. You don't really see it. You don't really see it that often anymore. I mean, I'm fresh from the barber. I'm literally fresh from the barber, maybe like a, 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 whatchamacallit, less than a week. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I definitely um, have seen cuts like that before. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a good issue. That's all I got to pretty much say about it. 
All righty. Uh, all right. So we did New Mutants. Uh, next up is Nightwing, number 81, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So in a nutshell, we you know, we kind of conclude what happens uh, at the uh, end of last issue when it comes to Nightwing and uh, some of these uh, kids who have found themselves trapped on a pier. But um, there is... I mean, the whole point of this issue is the revelation at the end. Whether or not it's true is, you know, still yet to be determined. But uh, this revelation proves to be a shocker uh, where Nightwing's origin has seemingly gotten far more complicated in the course of a couple of pages than we ever thought. So um, it's an interesting revelation, to say the least. All right. Next up, uh, I know Roddy Cat read this, Static Season number one. It's uh, written by Vita Ayala with pencils by Chris Cross and inks and colors by Nicholas uh, Draper Ivy. Uh, this is a digital first release. So this was released on Comixology and DC Unlimited or DC, however DC um, uh, sells its digital comics. Mm-hmm. And I skimmed this, so I think Roddy Cat will be able to speak to this more fully. But as a fan of the cartoon, it definitely felt good to see this character get, um, you know, get some more play. And uh, I also enjoyed seeing Chris Cross get some more exposure. I always enjoyed his art coming up. Uh, he actually was integral in the redesign of Captain Marvel when uh, Janice Vell took over the, the, the costume, took over the identity. And I know that he had a lot to play with, a lot to do with, uh, I want to say Kyle Rayner. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern. Okay. He had a lot to do with that. Or was that Daryl Banks? Could have been Daryl Banks. I could be mistaken. I'm going to do some quick research while Roddy Cat discusses this issue. I just wanted to just throw in the fact that the origin was very familiar, but had very current... Um, current event had a very current events twist to the origin and honestly that's really realistically about as much as you can you can say about this or you you know you can say about this yes um even if you if your knowledge of static and granted my knowledge of static is pretty much as much the comic book as it was the old uh, milestone books i know i have read at least one or two of them but i was not reading them back in the day um so I can't really say um, outside of the, the, you know, outside of updating it for, you know, making it a little bit more modern uh, take and in, 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 in how he got his part. Well, he pretty much gets, it goes through the same motions, uh, but they do put a modern uh, spin on him and his, uh, his look and uh, uh, that stuff in, in this uh, retelling of his origin um, but I can't say that I remember how originally it was when the milestone uh, stuff came out. Also, it would also um, might if you plan on reading this issue, you might want to read the Milestones uh, Returns book that came out uh, a few months back, and I believe it's still free on like Comicsology or something like that. It's called uh, Milestones Return, and I believe there is a Infinite Edition or. Yeah, uh, it looks like Infinite Edition or something like that. I can't remember what that edition is called. But there is a version 
uh, that is out there, and it's like uh, Milestone Returns Zero. And in that book, um, pretty much references a thing that happens, pretty much references his origin uh, prior to what happens in this issue. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, like I, said, I didn't, I didn't read it, but it does definitely footnote to that issue uh, and the event of that issue. So you may want to go ahead and check it out. Like I said, it's this free on Comicsology, so it's buried to injury on that one is uh is um is low. That being said, yeah. like I said, yeah, it was. Uh, I enjoyed reading this, and I could also say, like, uh, like I was about to say, if you like Agent Seventy and like myself. I'm pretty much more familiar with Static from the cartoon. Um, having watched the first episode of that cartoon fairly recently, it still kind of comes off about the same. I mean, like I said, tonally it's a little bit different because the, the cartoon is a little more lighter in the 90s and that kind of good, good mess. But as far as the story beats are concerned, um, I believe between the Milestones Returns book and going into this issue, I think some of it kind of plays out the same way or a similar way. So you shouldn't worry about, you know, whether you're going to be lost on his actual origin or not, unless you, like I said, uh, want to go back and get those books, which are out there by now, because they have been uh, re, re, um, reissuing those uh, old uh, milestone books uh, leading up to this. So... And I would right. recommend if you are you know, if you're not already don't already have it because I know they've had some. Of them. Hey, do it is definitely a touchstone moment in, in uh, comic history. Uh, that's that's worth checking out at the very least. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, the updates of this book uh, are are pretty good. Will um, the thing that happens at the end of this book uh, is going to cause a problem? Well, not only for Virtual and his family, but for the person who did said uh, a thing. Uh, that part, I think that might be a little bit uh, the thing that's different from the cartoon for certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not sure about like the, the, the old 90s uh, uh, era. So I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how much they're taking from that. Outside of the initial, hey, the zeitgeist powers. Exactly, exactly. They still use the same terminology, which exactly. is what I was mentioning earlier. Um, so a lot of that stuff is just repurposed, mm. you know, and recontextualized for this particular version of, you know, the Big Bang. Yep. So uh, just as a quick note, um, I was right initially that uh, uh, Chris Cross did the Captain Marvel stuff when they, you know, with, when they read to Janice Vell's uh, uh, uniform. Um, I was incorrect. He did do some Green Lantern stuff, which is what I was remembering, but it was very recent, 2020. It's Daryl Banks that was doing the Kyle Rayner stuff back, way back when, when, you know, uh, uh, Hal Jordan was going crazy. He had that picture, you know, the, the image, the cover when, when he had all the rings, gotcha. you know, like during the parallax time. Mm-hmm. That was Daryl Banks's art. But Chris Cross did do a Green Lantern story in 2020, which is why it popped into my head. Okay. But uh, I definitely remember Chris Cross doing art for um, that Captain Marvel uh, that version of Captain Marvel with Peter David when he was doing um, the Genis Vale stuff. Okay, good to know. Next up. Next up, I am slowly getting to the end. Oh, yeah, I am at the end of my books. Venom number 35 slash 200 in the Marvel 
uh, chronology. This is the wrap-up to Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's big Venom run of 35 issues or so, which encompassed uh, uh, King and Black and, and the establishment of Venom as a, kind of like a frontline hero, in a sense. Um, so the, so let me run through this very quickly, because there, it's a kind of a jam uh, a work of several artists and and uh, and a few writers and several artists that is on this book, um, because uh, Donny Cates is the main writer on the book. Philip Kennedy Johnson does help with a few pages. It's penciled by Ryan Stegman, Kev Walker, Danilo S. Beirut, Ron Lim, Guiyu Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, Sandoval, Mark and Mark Bagley. It's inked by J.P. Mayer, Jay Leaston, Kev Walker, Danilo S. Beirut, Scott Hanna, Guiyu Villanova, or Villanova, and Gerardo Sandoval, Victor Nava, and John Dell. Colors by Frank Martin, Chris O'Haller, and Jim Cape, uh, Campbell, Matt Miller, and Alex Sinclair, and Chris Sotomayor and Richard Eisenhove, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Long story short, after that entire rigmarole of credits... This is the, as I said, the culmination of um, Donny Cates' story. Um, if you are not familiar with w- what happened uh, coming out of King and Black to Eddie Brock, it's been established that he is now the spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you have, if you don't want to know and you want to go read it, fast forward a, a few minutes. But bottom line is, um, Eddie Brock has essentially become the king of the symbiotes. And, um, you know, he essentially, while he has relocated, while he is still located on Earth, his powers allow him to exert control over the, 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 over the, uh, the, I guess, I forget the name of the planet. I think it's Clintar. Clintar, yeah. But, um, but ultimately he's able to exert that control from where he is here on Earth. And, uh, his symbiote now is, tagging along with uh, his son Dylan who who the power of uh you know uh, the the power that he had over symbiotes that is what drew null to him in the first place has been drawn out of him but now um Dylan is you know finding himself uh having issues with anger and ultimately if you if you can figure out where this is going Dylan becomes the new venom and so uh, what I was telling Roddy Cat earlier came to pass, which is one of the heroes you never thought would be a legacy hero comes to pass. And while it, it makes some sense because the, the, the powers pass along with the symbiote, as long as the symbiote finds a new host, you know, you get the powers. We, we literally have the passing of the torch here in this book where the son takes on the mantle of the father and we have a true legacy character, legacy hero uh, created in the pages of this book. So it's the venom for the next generation. And that is it for me. Gotcha. Um, do you are you going to keep going after this with venom? I've only been keeping track of it, not really reading it. Mm. So I just read this issue just to see how uh, Cates and Stegman would wrap up their run. Right. And this is the status quo going forward. Be interesting to see. It definitely is um, something decent for the next writer to pick up. Okay, cool. Uh... You know, it's not, it's not an impossible. It's not like they left him in jail, which is something that happens to Daredevil a lot. 
You know, it's not like and recently, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's not like they left, you know, because that's what happened, I think, at the end of Brubaker's run. Right. And Bendis had to pick up from there. But my point being, um, uh, you know, it's it's they, they're leaving the character in uh, a somewhat positive place for the next creative team to pick up. And lastly, wait, so the kid. So I I do know that I remember the kid had uh, had powers over the symbiote. So got drawn out of him into Eddie or just just in general? I'm not sure. I think it was drawn into Eddie because I think that became part of his power as being the uh, the god of the symbiotes. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. I guess. Uh, for me, the only other book that I have is Star Wars number 14. Uh, the creative team on this book is uh, Charles Soule is the writer, art by uh, Ramon Rosanas, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, this is a continuation of the War of the Bounty Hunters uh, event that is going on line-wide in the Star Wars corner of the universe. Um, and I had just gotten caught up with said storyline recently. Well, I think I might have actually missed a, 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 a tie-in, I think, uh, from whatever. But regardless... Um, so this is a continuation of that. So pretty much at this point, everybody knows that um, one, this is uh, is to be said that this takes place after Empire Strikes Back. We've said this before because this is where this line of the books are are are, um, are um, that's the chronology of it right now. But this is taking place after, well, during the time of let's say Boba Fett transporting Han or supposedly transporting Han to um to Jabba. Uh in this case the event is because of the fact that Han, who is still encased in carbonite, has been stolen from Boba, Boba Fett. Boba Fett's got a bonnet on his head. Um partially because of that, or kind of sort of because of that. Uh so there is that, which means that pretty much a lot of people know that Han is kind of weak. Find out in um, the War of the Bounty Hunters issue number one, which I think came out like last week or week before last, whichever it was, who stole Han's body, um, or who stole Han's uh, Han frozen Han? Uh, and in this issue, the rebellion and other people. Well, well, we found out in other books that a, a lot of people have gotten invitations to at this party. Uh, that is being uh, thrown by the Crimson Dawn. Uh, uh, now, if that name sounds familiar to you, and do you remember your Star Wars um, uh, movie history? Yes, the same Crimson Dawn that shows up in Han Solo's solo movie. Uh, and spoiler alert, well, not spoiler alert, because I still won't say, but someone connected to Han's past and connected to the Crimson Dawn is responsible for taking his body and leading up to this here issue, uh, or actually, well, we've come to come to find out from that issue that there's a reason why they took the body because apparently everybody wants to see, this is the weird part about this whole event because it's like Han being the major focus of this event is kind of weird. But the fact that, you know what? Hey, something happened to Han's body while he was in carbonite is makes kind of sort of sense but the fact that they're putting this much on on that 
is kind of weird. So basically, everyone in the galaxy is looking to cash in on that um, on that uh, one Boba Fett's bounty to getting uh, Han's body back to Jabba so they can get him his good graces. And the Crimson Dawn are pretty much using it as leverage to bring themselves back into prominence. Going into this particular issue of Star Wars number 14, uh, Leia finds out about uh, this from one uh, Holdo, not yet an, an admiral. Wait, are you going to read this? I just thought about that. Before, uh, I mean, you can. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I, not gonna, I I'm not going to go B for B, okay. but yeah, I don't want to give away the whole whole thing either. No, it's fine. Go ahead. Okay, but basically, I, but I do. Yeah, but I did want to mention the fact that Holdo shows up in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, a younger version of Holdo from, uh, you know, you know her from the that last um, where from maneuver. Yes, from um, named after her. Yes, exactly. From um, what was that middle one? Um, what am I to say? Well, that's the last one. Um, last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but that I Jedi... try not to remember these. Huh? I said, and I I try not to remember those. Eh, you know. Um, but yeah, from Last Jedi. So yeah, the holdover maneuver, like a, a maneuver, like a um, eighty-seven said. But basically, so. Leah finds out the, about this and she's like, well, okay, well, we're going to go and get Han. Uh, they get Lando involved, uh, but Lando's also have his other little side things going on uh, in the process because there's that's a, a, another little side note that's going on in the course of this issue. Um, another familiar thing from, the, from those uh, sequels, actually, is that um, them trying to get to the place where uh, this auction... Or party and or party is being um, given. There is a familiar landing that the the the, uh, uh, the Falcon ends up doing because of the resistance. They uh, meet up, kind of trying to get there, and that's pretty much where um, where we leave off at. Uh, but yes, there are definitely some reminders in here for, for the solo movie and uh, people. Uh, at least very much one or or two people that show up in that book prom i mean in that uh movie prominently so they're kind of just bringing all of that back into uh back into the fold you know because everything at this point is canon um the with the movies in in this so they're definitely going to be doing some folding in of that that stuff into the comic books and uh that's um Oh, yes, and another old group from, if you um, are aware of uh, Star Wars history, the Black Sun also show up and has something to do with that situation. So, Won't you come and wash away the yep. rain? Yep. That's, I usually pretty much go there also, so good on you for that. Uh, and that's it for me. There was a, it was a fairly decent read. Like I said, the, the, um, the whole conceit of behind War of the Bonnet Hunters is still kind of weird to me because like I said it's pretty much focusing on Han and Carbonite to the degree that it's like is it really that serious like everybody in the galaxy wants Han like I can see the rebels wanting them and I can see where the you know Bobfoot wants them back and maybe the bounty hunters trying to get something off of that but they made it like oh no the Empire wants them too and you know based on uh, the events of uh, Darth Vader's book and I think Afra's got a part in here, so we're not not in here, but Afra and Sanus um, Staros is going to show up in this event um, because yeah, because they had their issue of uh, Doctor Afra that um, I think they 
Um, well, we find out in here that everybody pretty much knows, so we we definitely know that they know about it. So, like I said, going into the event, then that's going to be that. So I'm pretty sure they're probably going to try to crush the party as well. It's just going to be a whole Star Wars love fest. But that's pretty much it for me, and that's the only other book that I had that we hadn't already talked about. Uh, cool. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. And we have a couple. We have, we have, we have. Um, a whole lot of superstars. I was, I was hoping you was gonna pick that up. Thank you. <laughs> um, from Dirt, we have a click of the week of the Flash seven seventy one, and I don't think he said anything. Oh, he did. Well, he just said the redemption of Wally West, but that was about it. I mean, usually he would have a little bit more on that, right. but. But that's a, that's a, um, that, that I think that is in the nutshell because um, I don't think you have the cover queued up, but the no. cover does uh, make clear reference to, um, oh, what was that miniseries called? The one that Wally, where Wally West, the mystery, the one with the mystery. Oh, 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 um, where they was at the rehabilitation center. I, yeah, yeah, what was that called? I, don't even remember. <laughs> I know it was a. Uh, I know Sanctuary was the place. Um, yeah, the cover makes a clear reference to Welcome yeah, to Sanctuary. So, but I don't remember the. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember that anymore. I, I blocked that whole thing out of my mind. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, like uh, I'd flipped through this, and I was I was very intrigued by all of the guest stars and all of the 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 different costuming. Mm-hmm. You know that, that that you see in here, and it looks like it's kind of a jam. An artist jam book because yeah. it looks like there's a there's a few uh, art styles sprinkled in here. I see Brian Hitch in here also, so uh, it did pique my interest, and uh, I'm glad that uh, that uh, PC and underscore Dirt read this. So I'm gonna just take a quick peek at it and see what's going on. Okay, you know, it always reference they all. The problem with with reading certain parts of DC is that they reference characters I have little to no connection with. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this? Why am I supposed to care? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I try to muddle my way through and see. I'm looking to... Oh, here are the credits. Yeah, so it's Jeremy Adams writing, and there's like... Yeah, Kevin McGuire, Howard Porter, Barat uh, Pekmeti, Brian Hitch. There's a bunch of artists on this. No kidding. Okay. Cool. Dang. Yeah, totally a jam, uh, jam thing, so... And then from Tim, we got Planetized X-Men number one. Yeah, that's a so, candidate for me. Yep, same here. In fact, I totally forgot to mention um, my other potential clicks of the week. Uh, Planetized is definitely one of them. New Mutants is definitely one of them. Um, Static, actually, is kind of is kind of one of them as well um, for potentials. Uh, do you have yours or no? Are you still? Yeah, because I was really deciding between two books. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Planet Size X Men number one or FF number thirty three, and I think I'm gonna go with FF number thirty three just because. And I'm not spoiling it because I know Roddy Cat's gonna look at it. Um, it was just really well done. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just really, really well done. It's a comic book wedding, so you know stuff is gonna pop off at some point during it. It's just an old trope. So, but what happens and how it's revealed is just a shocker. 
you know, and it's just it's just played really well. Yeah, and it's actually now that I think about it, might probably be one of the one of the first or few um, quote unquote villain uh, um, weddings that gets featured in a book. I'm fairly certain we don't ever get to see that. Like, I mean, yeah, I, obviously Doom, you know, not necessarily a villain as much anymore, but he, you know, um, but still, he can get in. And you'll, get a kick, you'll get a kick out of it. There's even a Secret Wars reference, like uh, the Hickman Secret Wars reference right at the beginning. Ooh, okay. If, if, if I mean, it's very subtle. It's It's so subtle, but right. it's... You know, but the when you when 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 you when you read it, you're like, when did this? Oh, that's when that happened. Well, I was about to say, if it's something in reference to something in particular, then yeah, I I, I feel like I probably already know, especially having to do with Doom and the FF uh, about that. But yeah, I don't know. I have to check it out. Regardless, um, I think for mine, I'm going to go with actually. You know what? I think I'm gonna go with Tim on on planet size. Um, nice. I did like Static. Static was pretty good. Um, I'm looking to see more of that and more of the other um, Milestone comics because, like I said, I didn't really uh, don't have the affinity. I did not have as much of affinity, with the exception of like Static, but even then, uh, of the characters. So I'm looking forward to seeing most of that stuff come out. But yeah, um, and yeah, New Mutants also, like I said, was pretty good this week. But yeah, definitely Planet Size X Men number one and with that uh we can go to the comic i mean excuse me blah, 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 blah. we can go to the new section but first an ad read our first ad read of the night is for funko fun at first sight it's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads apparel including t-shirts hats and socks and brand merchandise such as custom diy pop figures art books and skateboards and now the listeners of the comic book chronicles can enjoy 10 percent off your entire purchase when shopping at funko to place your first order with 10 percent off and to help keep our show free for you go to our network website at cspn.us that's cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page from there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off, uh, as we do about this time, with the cinematic news. We're going to try to cruise through some of this. Uh, Cameron Johnson as Batwing revealed in Batwoman Season 2 photo. So, uh, Cameron Johnson plays, uh, I believe, plays Luke Fox. uh, Obviously, son of Lucius Fox in the canon. And also Batwing uh, in the comics. So, he finally gets his, uh, I guess he's going to get his Batwing suit as we see from the uh, Batwoman uh, Twitter account, uh, see him suited up as uh, in the, in the suit. Uh, so cool. We kind of figured it was going to happen at some point, but wasn't sure. I haven't been watching that uh, show, but eh, um, I, I do want to peep it out next up. All right. Uh, next up, Green Lantern's daughter arrives in first season two trailer for DC star girl. Entertainment Weekly has an exclusive first look at the Season 2 trailer of uh, DC Stargirl. And while the rest of the new JSA wants to hang up their masks and cape, 
capes now that the Injustice Society of America has seemingly been defeated. The trailer reveals Courtney, a.k.a. Stargirl, Stargirl, isn't so sure that's the right call, even if that means messing up at school. Um, Apparently, uh, blah, 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 new threats like Eclipso are coming up and the Shade are coming up and old ones like Cindy, a.k.a. Shiv, are about to cause the new JSA some major problems. So it's a good thing they're about to get an influx of new heroes to the team like Green Lantern's daughter. Is that supposed to be Jade? I don't know, honestly, I guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, next up. Wait, who is Jade? Jade is, um... Oh, you're talking about Jade's Green Lantern Jade. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um... Stargirl poster, speaking of, welcomes a classic DC artifact to the Arrowverse. So, apparently, uh, an ominous poster for Stargirl's upcoming Season 2 sees the Arrowverse debut of the Heart of Darkness, the power source of one of the season's new villains, Eclipso, who will be, uh, played by Nick Tarabay. Which that sounds that name sounds very familiar, um, and I'm wondering if that's who I think it is. Um, hang on, excuse me, pardon me. Scrolling, scrolling. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, shared on one of DC Stargirl's Twitter accounts, uh, the poster sees the Heart of Darkness atop the cosmic staff as a surge of energy emanates from it, uh, travels down the Stargirl's from towards Stargirl's hand. Also, the series title card and season two premiere date can be seen next to the staff above, uh, next to the staff, excuse me, above and below the poster are tweets that respectively lead when you see it, don't show your fear. And you can see the poster right there. The, uh, premiere date is, uh, 8, 10, 21. So August 10th. Um, so there you go. Next. Alrighty, next up, uh, DC requested <laughs> DC requested a Harley Quinn animated series remove a scene of oral sex between Bat- Batman and Catwoman. It would have been funny if they had said Batwoman and Catwoman. Um, the HBO Max animated Harley Quinn series has been a hit with wide audiences, thanks in large part to its irreverent take on the heroes and villains of the DC universe. I still haven't watched it yet, but I Same. do plan on it. Mm-hmm. And for its progressive take on the relationship between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. It seems there's a line as to how far the show is able to take some things, though, as it was revealed revealed this week that DC Comics at one point requested the show remove a scene in which Batman performs oral sex on Catwoman. In a variety article about TV shows like Harley Quinn and WandaVision that subvert the superhero genre, Harley Quinn producer Justin Halpern spoke about the relative freedom he and co-producer Patrick Schumacher experienced while working on the show and then that particular notable instance in which DC objected on on Batman, uh, objected that, uh, that Batman be depicted as going down on Catwoman. That's funny. When I tell you this blew up on Twitter, it did. It yes. did. I saw it on my Twitter, mm-hmm. and I'm not on Twitter that often, and I definitely saw it. Yeah, for days. I think it's probably still going. So here, and and I said this on Twitter. I'm like, how many of these people people were actually going to? Well, one going to watch this, or actually was watching this show. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the numbers are not, you know, like no one, or they just point just like anything else uh, that happens on Twitter per day, just wanted something to go crazy about. All right. I mean, it was in. I was about to say it definitely popped up in the binge mode group. 
So yeah. I saw posts on it on Facebook. I was like, wow, what the heck is going on? Yeah, like it has been a thing for the last couple of days, and it's kind of ridiculous. I'm sitting here like, you know, I'm like, it, to be fair, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun distraction, but also like, but the the some of the people, you know, saying certain things about, I'm like, you know. Like obviously they kept it to the, the more lewd sense of it, but at the same time there are some people who were like, "Well, DC is this and that and other blah 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 blah." And, it's car- and of course there's the whole it's a cartoon, so it's kids, but it's actually an adult cartoon. That you know that whole thing uh, has shown up. I'm like, y'all need to hush. <laughs> so it's just been kind of all over the place, but there's been some pretty good jokes out of it. That being said. Um, yeah, and as, as someone uh, I remember seeing somebody notice like there's a disturbing lack of Bill Finger jokes. Uh, in this whole discourse, um, I was like, you know what? That's pretty good. You know, certain people will get that one, but <laughs> yeah. but that's pretty good. Next up, though, um, so yes, yeah, again, it's probably still out there doing a doing a number on your on your Twitter feed. Um, Sadan, then a Satana, Satana movie writer uh, is excited to grab crazy sequences and fights. Um, Emerald Fennel is excited to script more exciting superhero action sequences in the forthcoming Zatanna movie. Um, speaking with Empire for the magazine's British New Wave issue, the Academy Award winning writer and director of Promising Young Women and Killing Eve discussed her DC superhero project, which she is still in the early stages of writing. Uh, quote, there are a lot of things about her that felt like they could really be really interesting really really interesting uh Fennel said and it'll be an opportunity to make some really quite dark something really quite dark and that appeals to me to make something big and scary i love that stuff so cool um actually there was something else i was going to say oh the uh, from the going back to the last issue last the last article the article that was um that was cited is also in the show notes in the clickbait section if you want to go read that so Check that out. Next up. Alrighty, next up. Uh, sorry, folks, I'm scrolling. Uh, Aquaman 2 is titled The Lost Kingdom of the Crystal. I mean, the upcoming project stars no. uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman again with Amber Heard again expected to return as Mira and Patrick Wilson back as Orm. The original Aquaman released in December 2018 grossed more than one billion dollars making it the only dc films have reached that number outside of the dark knight trilogy Juan is producing alongside peter safran with david leslie johnson mcgoldrick returning to pen the script so yeah no uh no no crystal skulls here folks it's just titled the lost kingdom and if you thought that the lost kingdom would be atlantis and we already found atlantis so what the hell are they talking about it may very well be um, the Lost Kingdom that they're referring to maybe where uh, Mira comes from. Yee. Next up, um, The Flash director teases the superhero's new suit and logo. Um, Flash director Andy Machete uh, has shared a new photo from the upcoming film, and this one teases the new suit and logo for Error that fools uh, Flash. The, the photo offers a close-up look uh, revealing the details of the new suit design. Uh, it looks like Barry Allen's new Flash suit is wired with some sort of circuitry that is centralized around the lightning insignia on his chest. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what purpose that will serve, if any, I will possibly say. So, there you go. If you are watching the video version of this here program, and you should sometime, you can see the tweet where uh, Animachetti, um shows the logo. So, there you go. Next. 
sorry. I was just checking something out on Twitter. Um, the Flash film is rumored to include a Grant Gustin appearance. So uh, the Illuminati reported that Gustin is going to cameo in the film as his version of the flash from the CW series. Though the capacity of this cameo is not yet known. Gustin will also join the likes of Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton's version of Batman and Sasha Callie's take on Supergirl, as well as Ezra Miller's version of the titular superhero. I mean, it would make sense since Ezra Miller did also cameo on the, the flash TV show that it should mm-hmm. go the other way around. Right. Or it could go the other way around, I should say. Some would argue that maybe let Grant Gustin take on the role in, in the movie and get rid of Ezra Miller. Maybe. But anyway, next up. I was going to say, Roddy Cat used to have just a passing dislike for Ezra Miller, but apparently, shots fired. <laughs> oh, it's not so much passing. Um, the oh, shots- like It used to not be as vi- vi- uh, vitriolic. I hit it a little bit better. Uh, the Suicide Squad <laughs> runtime and post credit scene confirmed by director James Gunn. Uh, the Suicide Squad where they has, runtime has been locked in. Uh, taken to social media, director James Gunn revealed that DC's latest movie will run two hours and 12 minutes or 132 minutes if you're that kind of person. Uh, Gunn added, I wrote, filmed, and edited the best movie I could and it ended up at this length. No one ever planned for it to be this long. Um, which, honestly, there's a lot of superhero movies specifically or, you know, um, that are this long. As a matter of fact, this article goes uh, goes the length and says some of the uh, runtimes of recent movies. Like Wonder Woman 1984 is 151 minutes. Aquaman is 143 minutes. Uh, Shazam is 132 minutes, which I think that's probably the shortest movie Lately, and I've still yet to see this movie, actually, um, Shazam. And although it just seemed like it's longer, the original Suicide Squad movie was only 123 movies, uh, 123 minutes. Wait, did I say an hour and a half? I didn't mean that. Um, for that 132 minutes, I was uh, anyway. Uh, regardless, that Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad movie, seemed way longer, but that's only because it wasn't great. Next up. Next up. So we're going to skip a bunch of this Loki news we've already covered. Yep, yep. So Disney Plus Plus original series are now set to be released on Wednesdays, not Fridays. So from July, right? So this is apparently after Bad Batch. Well, yeah, because Bad Batch is um, already on, yeah, already ongoing. Right, on Fridays. Oh, I see. So so, uh, so from July, all of Disney Plus's global original series will be released on Wednesdays rather than Fridays, according to The Hollywood Reporter. The change has reportedly been made to give the service's increasing number of original TV shows more space in the schedule, while the service's original movies will continue to release on Fridays. I see. Right. So Disney has announced a number of new premiere dates following the change, with most now releasing a few days later than previously planned. Monsters, Inc., spin-off Monsters at Work, for example, is not going to release on Wednesday, July 7th, rather than the 2nd, while Turner and Hooch has shifted from July 16th to Wednesday, June, July 21st. Uh, a couple are going to release earlier. Uh... Okay. Yeah, no, 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 that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, boop. Thor's four is set. Wait, let me make sure that's not. I thought I missed something. Yeah. 
Uh, Thor 4 is set for the main reveal a ridiculous but very important Marvel Easter egg. Uh, the And I'm pretty sure this may tickle uh, 1 Agent 70 in that it's the Belt of Might. Um, okay, crickets. Uh, it says no, here... It's cool. Huh? It's cool. <laughs> so, it's yeah, cool. But, I mean, because the, the, what's funny about it is... Well, I was, I was going to let you finish, but... You know, the Belt of Might has always had kind of like a weird place in the Thor Marvel mythos. Mm-hmm. Because he's almost always depicted as being, as you know, like super duper strong without it. Right. And only... Only in like a few pages of like the Simonson run does he actually have to put it on to have to duke it out with somebody. Gotcha. Yeah, I can actually I can tell you though uh, he had to fight curse I think and he had to put it on. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So yeah, but it says here um, you know Thor Love and Thunder is wrapped and there was a behind the scene photo that was shared by Taika uh, YTT on Instagram showing him's worth wearing what may as well be the MCU's answer to the T-belt. Um, and if you're watching the video, you can see the the um, the picture from uh, Taika Waititi's uh, Instagram account. And uh, Hemsworth's still looking kind of real quick. Although, it just looks more like a belt buckle than, than the one, right. you know. It's not like a golden belt. Exactly, not like uh, like the one you see in this image right here with the wings and mm-hmm. the, the whatever. But yeah, it just looks like a belt buckle with a T on it, and it's barely noticeable because it's a black and white photo. Right. So, but yeah, yeah. I was about to say that particular photo of Hemsworth makes you, you know, just makes you think, wow, that dude spent a lot of time in the gym, right? <laughs> but uh, next, I mean. Up. Because okay. he was, he was, he built himself up to be this big because he's playing Hulk Hogan in in that movie anyway. True. So, you know, also, it's almost like uh, he doesn't have to like, kind of um, kind of raise his uh, training regimen to do one or the other. Right. But also, it's kind of funny because when he, I think he did one of the the previous films, he was also doing Star Trek. I think no, he did Thor first, and I think Star Trek he might have been doing right. So, which was a very look, different look for him. Right. Um, and, he, and obviously he was in Star Trek clothes and, you know, was a little more covered up than that. So he was kind of looking, they had him like kind of looking a little bit more or a little Trim. less built than, yeah, a little trimmer than he did in Thor around the same time. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, that's that. Next up. That's you. One second. A crew t-shirt from the recently wrapped filming of Thor, Love and Thunder apparently has offered up our best look at the design of Natalie Portman's Jane Foster Thor, and the costume appears to be very comic book accurate. The Twitter account Thor, Love and Thunder News shared the alleged design of Jane Foster's Thor, and it should look quite familiar to comic book fans. Yep. Um, I like that. It was, if, if, it's, if it turns out to be true, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. And it's a good looking shirt, so hey, there you go. Like it's the the well amount of worn on it too. <laughs> um next up though, Paul Rudd begins filming Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, apparently. Uh while many productions have more or less used uh have been more used to delays recently, excuse me, it seems that one film that is ahead of schedule is Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. It's gonna run wild on you, brother. Um, 
Star of the series, Paul Rudd has revealed that he's currently in London to film the sequel, which wasn't meant to kick off shooting until next month. Uh, with the film not due out until February 2023, uh, they are certainly making sure that they get a head, of, uh, head start on the latest Marvel sequel to roll camera. So, there you go. Next. Pardon me, I was just being very annoyed at the, the Brooklyn Nets losing to the Milwaukee Bucks, and now we're going to Game 7. Basketball, I mean, this happened a little while ago, but I'm looking at some of the... Uh, you know, I made a I made a point of not distracting myself during the show, so now I'm going to have to watch. You know, now we're going to have to uh, put it all on the line in Game Seven on Saturday, folks. I was about to say, and that worked out well because he's still kind of distracted. <laughs> well, not as much as I was. I think it was last week when I was like watching the game as we right. were going as we were uh, moving as we we're doing the show. Mm. Uh, playoff basketball, folks. All right. So you did the Quantum Mania. So the rumor mm-hmm. is Ahsoka series is going to feature another key, another key Clone Wars character. So according to Murphy's Multiverse, Barris Ophie will appear on Ahsoka, the upcoming Disney Plus spinoff of The Mandalorian, focused on Rosario Dawson's character and her hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn. The series will pick up threads from Ahsoka's time on the Clone Wars, Rebels, and The Mandalorian, and and uh, Barris is a fitting addition given her key role in the protagonist's life. Yes. No official plot or casting details are known yet about Barris and her potential appearance. Um, uh, yeah, and, and you know she she's appeared in other things, so you know we, we've seen her in other places other than on uh, Clone Wars. So I legit wasn't sure if she was still around or not. I haven't seen season. I still haven't watched season seven. Um, and the last time I remember seeing her, she did was in the Clone Wars. She definitely was around. Uh, but I, you know, given how Order sixty six kind of took a whole bunch of folks out, you wasn't sure where you know where folks are. Um, so this was kind of. Um, a surprise to me because I thought she might have gotten had gotten either taken out or become an inquisitor or maybe she still could. <laughs> There's no saying if she's showing up, you know, we don't know in what capacity. So anyway, next up, uh, speaking of star Wars, star Wars reveals date of anime anthologies foot footage debut. Um, Lucasfilms, uh, star Wars visions is headed to anime expo. um, <laughs> Which, by the way, folks, there was about to be a whole lot more anime um, uh, uh, news this week than what there actually is. So look out for that next week. Uh, The anime anthology series will debut its first look footage during a panel at the event per an official announcement. Described as Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators and storytellers. The Visions sneak freak uh, promises to leave you excited for all for this all new vision of the galaxy far, far away, quote unquote. Uh, so this is one I believe I'm pretty sure this is one of those um, uh, projects that came out during the Investors Day. So this is definitely a known quantity. Um, so, yeah, there is that uh, anime exposed Star Wars Visions panel will take place on Saturday, July 3rd at 3 p.m. Uh, specific specific Pacific time. Uh, the panel will be hosted by Chastity Vincenzo, I believe of 
I think she's still with uh, IGN. I don't know. Uh, and feature, or maybe she's gone from there. Actually, I don't know. Uh, and feature appearances by Vice President, uh, uh, Vice President of Franchise Production Lucas Animation Jackie Lopez, along with uh, executive producers Josh Rhymes and James Waugh, uh, and a couple other people. Next. Next up, uh, what was it Netflix? Mm-hmm. Netflix just announced a huge slate of anime series and films. Uh, the streaming service announced details of a number of exciting shows, ranging from a horror series with characters designed by Final Fantasy's Yoshitaka Amano to the next chapter in the Gundam franchise to another Godzilla show. Uh, here's what was announced as uh. Given to us by The Verge. I'm opening up the article now. I know that um, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway is coming out. Apparently it is not um, uh, based upon the actress with the same last name, uh, Anne Hathaway. Um, It's uh, it's set after Charles Rebellion. And the character's name is Hathaway Noah. So I'm a little bit in and out of the uh, the Gundam universe. I have a general idea what's going on. There's a lot to it, though. Um, I actually did watch um, MSG uh, MSO Eighth Team. Nice. That was a nice. That was a nice little. Was like ten or twelve episode thing. That was yeah, that was pretty like, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one of my favorites. But I did read. What's that? I said, yeah, that's one of my favorites. I was going to say I read I read some of the wikis about the overall story, so I have an idea who like Char is and what's going on. And I feel like maybe I needed to do that and then go back into Wing. Yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know Wing. So here's the thing, because they, they, as you probably found out by now, yeah, the um, Gundam kind of splits off into a couple of different timelines. Um, right. There's the, the, the original timeline, and then there's like the AC uh, whatever, and that's like usually like Seed and the rest of those other. Um, Mm-hmm. The ones after the or at, at a certain point, Wing I think might be in th- in the other not um, the other not timeline. Timeline, I right? So it's but it's also kind of sort of self-contained. Like most of them are kind of sort of self-contained, except for the 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 original first two or three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think including Eighth MS Team uh, series and right. a lot of those little side projects. But yeah, all of those are pretty much in the same universe, and then. You got like the other stuff in the in Universal, you know, Universal Century and, and AC and all that kind of good, a good man. It's a lot to Gundam. That's all I'm. That's, I say that to say that. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. As you have uh, found out. <laughs> exactly. You know, like it's 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 a hard. It's you know, it's. I feel like one of those folks who's like, I want to read Marvel comics. Where do I start? Right. Right. And so I dive in here and there and just trying to trying to trying to figure it out as I go along. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of these shows are are interesting. One is called the Shaman King or Shaman King Shaman King. Yeah, another is called Shaman Zero. Another called is called Exception. Bright Samurai Soul is another. Make My Day is another. And Godzilla Singular Point is already out in yes. Japan. It is on its way to America. It's available. It will be available globally and in English on June twenty fourth. So I've already gotten a peek at it thanks to the magic of VPNs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending that I am in Japan. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Yeah, and I mean, hell, you know, and I'm taking advantage of what else they got. Um, right. On, exactly. On I got a peek at it. So. Right. Uh, yeah, the Shaman, the Shaman King one, I believe, is a reboot uh, of uh, Shaman King, which they've been doing a couple of. 
Um, so, yeah, because there was already, already been a, a Simon King series. But um, I'm going to, before I go to the next one, I just want to put, put this one in here because of that Gundam story. I mean, because mm-hmm. of the Gundam part of this. So, new Gundam Breaker, Battle Log, uh, anime, uh, and game, and Gunpla model series had also been announced. Uh, so Bandai Namco Entertainment has announced that uh, Gundam Breaker Battlelog, a new cross-media project that aims to connect the Gundam anime, uh, video games, and plastic models together in a new way. According to Bandai, the goal of its new Gundam Breaker Battlelog project is to, quote-unquote, fuse their digital and uh, physical products together. In order to do that, the, the company has announced a new ser- uh, series of animated short films, uh, a video game, and a new line of Gunpla model kits. Similar to the 2013 uh, spinoff Gundam Build Fighters, uh, Gundam Breaker Battlelog will feature redesigned versions of mobile suits pulled from other series within the Gundam franchise. And that's a whole other uh, uh, side thing. Because like, like I just said with the Gundam stuff, like this is a whole other separate uh, kind of universe thing. So, yeah. But anyway, that's that. But I'm going to go into the next one, which is watch the next, the first trailer uh, for Netflix's Masters of the Universe Revelation, which um, I believe we said earlier that I need a hero from Bonnie Tyler also appears in. Right. Um, and I did watch that trailer. It was actually pretty good. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm actually curious about more curious about this than I was. But um, our first look at Kevin Smith's revival of Human is here. Uh, Netflix debuted its first trailer for Masters of the Universe Revelation, which will hit the streaming service on July 23rd. Uh, unlike Shirai and the Princess of Power, uh, which also streamed on Netflix, the new He-Man series isn't a reboot of the classic cartoon. Uh, instead, it's a continuation, which we uh, we talked about last week that Kevin Smith, Smith said, uh, yeah, they're not trying to redo it. They're just going to keep on, keep on doing the thing. Uh, right. which picks up right after the original show ended in 1985 with the excellent addition of Mark Hamill as Skeletor. There you go. Boom. You can't, couldn't get a better Skeletor than that. Uh, you know, well, you probably could, but hey, what else is he doing right now? Right. Um, right. and of course you get a, um, a summary from, from, um, from Kevin Smith about, uh, the show, which I think partially, is kind of what we talked about last week, so it doesn't necessarily have to retread on that. Next up. All right. Next up. Uh, so Disco Tech Media has announced... What's that? So it's so excited Agent 70 is. Yeah. Disco Tech Media has announced its lineup of upcoming classic anime Blu-ray releases, which includes a number of previously out-of-print and hard-to-find titles. Um... The company announced via live stream and Twitter that it is re-releasing uh, several anime over the next several years. Um, over the oh, you know that have not been available for several years. That is headlining the new announcements is a brand new re-release of the original Shaman King anime from two thousand one. Um, in addition to Project Echo and Lupin the Third. But also, and this is kind of uh, going, so the, we talked about last week where there was uh, uh, the Fatal Fury remakes. This is also from, from that. That was also okay. from this. Uh, but I didn't see this before I saw that. So yeah, there's a bunch of classic uh, stuff, including I think they're doing the redoing um, Robotech, uh, which I believe also is um, may or may not be on um, 
H and Seventies anime preview. I can't remember. What's that? Uh, Robotech. The original Robotech. Yeah. That's actually stream. You can stream that though. I know, but it sounds like they're they're redoing that. Uh, in okay. And these re-releases, so I don't know that may or may not be something you might want to wake up, wait on. Or I mean, you want to take your chances with with the with the home goal shit. Yeah, I was about to say I've seen a little bit of Robotech here and there, and I mean, Min May and singing and oh yeah yay. So so yeah, you know, it's one of those it's one of those we want to see the robots fight already. Damn it, type of things. Yeah, 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 pretty much. But yeah, so that's just the thing. Like I said, there's there's, there's more. Uh, they're putting up some more, which is cool. I, I I like the fact that they're doing. Especially, I, I enjoyed uh, Project Echo and a couple of those ones that they're talking about. Uh, next up, though, uh, Lord of the Rings anime focuses on Rohan uh, coming to theaters from Ghost in the Shells, Kenji Kamiyama. Uh, Lords of the Ring. I feel like we talked about this here already, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Lord of the Rings anime film from uh, Keiji Kami, Kamiyama uh, and Warner Brothers Animation is on the way, and its story will focus on King, the King of Rohan. Uh, the movie is called Lord of the Rings: War of the Rohirrim. Uh, and yeah, we've, it, mentioned it. we've mentioned it just in passing. Yeah, the, we, we've mentioned the title War okay. of the Rohirrim. Gotcha. And expands the untold story behind the fortress of Helm's Deep, delving into the life and blood-soaked times of one of uh, Middle Earth's most legendary figures, the mighty King of Rohan, Helm Hammerhand. So that's uh, cool. Right. So that probably deals with like how Helm's Deep is built. Probably um, because because what you call it? That horn is like the horn of Helm Hammerhand, right? The one that uh, Gimli blows on. Um, when the sun comes up, right. And yes, if you if you've not noticed, Agent Seven is a big Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> um, it doesn't have a date. I was about to say, if you're listening to this or watching this, you probably are. are if not a big fan, you are for more than uh, more, you have more than a passing familiarity with Lord of the Rings. Sure. And or the Hobbit. Sure. And or the Silmarillion, but I don't know too much about that. Yeah, so. no, I have not. I've absolutely, positively, have not gone that far. <laughs> That's been way into the weeds. Like if I was about to say, and hence the and or. Right. Because um, yeah, if you've read sat here and, and and actively said you've read the Silmarillion, like yeah, you I can't talk to you for too long because you're gonna talk. You're gonna give me some in and outs that I probably don't care much about. Anyway, next up. Alrighty, uh, new Mortal Kombat Legends animated movie is arriving later this summer. Um, Warner Brothers is making a sequel to last year's Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. The studio has announced Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, which will arrive this summer. The follow-up will see the return of Joel McHale as Johnny Cage and Jennifer Carpenter as Sonya Blade. The cast will also have some familiar voices along for the ride, along with some new ones as well. Okay. Um, apparently, uh, rest in peace to Herb Tarlick, um, aka Frank Bonner from WKRP in Cincinnati, because I just saw on that article that the, uh, dude had died. Ah. Um, but uh, if you're of a certain vintage, you know who that is. If not, you don't care. Uh, Spawn's Sam and Twitch are getting their own TV show. 
So Spawn's universe is expanding beyond the comics into uh, television again. Uh, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane is teaming up with the production house Whip, uh, the studio behind uh, HBO's hit uh, Kate Winslet starring Mayor of Easttown series, which I've been hearing something about, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. to create a television series based on the supernatural detective comic Sam and Twitch. Uh, Jason Smilovich and Todd Katzberg, showrunners of the epic series Condor and writers of the upcoming Jennifer Lopez Netflix film The Cipher, will adapt the project and serve as uh, executive producers, as will McFarlane for McFarlane Films and Whips, uh, I'm assuming that's Whips or Wipes, uh, Paul Lee and Mark Royball. Uh, so yeah, the, the announcement is just the latest in a series of headline grabbing moves by McFarlane in recent months. As he tells, uh, IGN, it won't be the last. So look forward to that. Next. Next up. The Bowery King will return in John Wick 4. Emmy winning actor Lawrence Fishburne confirmed that his character, the Bowery King, is not yet done with John Wick and all the trouble that he brings during an interview with Collider. I should be going to Berlin within another couple of months or so, he stated, confirming that he'll be on set soon to film the hit action franchise's fourth installment. That is no surprise if you watched John Wick 3 Parabellum. True, but as we have seen from those uh, Godzilla films, they have pretty much put one person in a, in a thing and just totally uh, uh, make them disappear the next one. Yeah, but uh, these John Wick films seem to have their continuity set. I mean, you're right. You know, in terms of their in terms of their actors. True. Um, but yeah, but like I said, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's this should be a no doubt. But at the same time, like I said, yeah, just stranger things. I, I understand. I understand. But it's apples and oranges. I think when it comes to Godzilla versus John Wick. Oh, absolutely. But um, yeah, but it is what it is. Uh, Matrix 4 is Jessica Henwick, speaking of Matrix tie-ins. Um, Matrix, yeah, Jessica Henwick, which I don't think I remember, knew if she was in that or not, joins Daniel Craig in sequel to Knives Out, uh, so Knives Out 2. Mm-hmm. So, if, uh, if you're adding to the list of, uh, everybody, your grocery list of everybody that is in that movie, she is now amongst them. Um, Did you watch the first Knives Out? Yeah, it's good. I like it. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I enjoyed it. It was very, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it even kind of one of those things was like, okay, even when it gets to the point of the reveal, like, okay, well, you knew it, but you didn't recognize it as what you looked like. They did a pretty good deal with it as kind of obfuscating, unless you're one of those people who's like, well, I knew it from, from, from when the character first came on the screen, you know, type situation. But it was good. I enjoyed it. You should, uh, if folks like a good uh, murder mystery, I think the one thing is I didn't like, a, I might not have liked Daniel Craig's character and Latif's character for some strange reasons, uh, but everything else kind of surrounding it. Huh? The detectives? Yeah. Because gotcha. his well, and I think for Daniel Craig it's probably more like his accent than than anything else. Well, he was he was playing at an accent, right? But it was kind of like he was like a Southern Clouseau almost in in a way. Uh, it was kind of like a Foghorn Leghorn Clouseau. Also that, yes. Um, <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is kind of awkward. 
I was about to say, I know Roddy Kevin will take that more personally being from uh, 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 a certain part of the country. Uh, Whereas I definitely I definitely took it as a play on Foghorn Leghorn being a detective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> there is that. There is that. But it was like, oh, God, man. Come on, you let, let, let up on it. And as far as Latif's character, who's another, does God, they, they probably could have given him a little bit more to do than what they had him to do, was basically. Anyway. I was going to say, win a couple of I do declares. He was like one, yeah, one step short of. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, there's a bunch of people. Like, um, if you don't, if you don't know, I just run off of this real quick. Like, uh, I don't know why I did when they mention Dave Batista, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, yay, uh, Leslie Odom Jr., Kate Hudson, uh, Madden Klein, and Edward Norton are all in that cast. And I feel like there's some people missing, but yeah, you know, outside of uh, obviously, um, you know, um, Daniel Craig. And maybe Lestif Stanfield. I'm not sure if he's coming back for that or not. I think so. Anyway, there's that. Next up. Uh, wait, uh, or is this it? is mine, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Paramount Plus, the streaming service from Viacom CBS, today announced, or oh, just earlier announced, the uh, introduct the uh, in- announced the stellar lineup of voice talent behind the six young alien starship crew members featured in its upcoming all new animated kid series Star Trek Prodigy. First look images of the series were also revealed. I gotta open this now because the voice cast is not in our little notes. Nope. But if you're watching the video, you can see the 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 the, the image where they're all there. All right, so you have Ella Purnell as Gwen, Brett Gray as Dell, Jason Manzukis um, as Jenkins Pog, Dee Bradley Baker, um, not playing a clone apparently, as right. Murph, Murph, Angus Emery as Zero, and Riley Alas Rocky as Rock Talk. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And I guess when, when does this come out? Uh, don't know. So at some point. Uh, next up, a new the Picard season two trailer confirms the return of a classic Trek villain. Um, no surprise. Q is showing up in Picard season two. Um, I haven't seen this trailer yet, but I've, I believe it, uh, from one still outside, it's looking kind of older, but not surprised there because he is getting kind of older. Um, so yeah, there you go. And apparently this came out on National Captain Picard Day, which I guess is a real thing. <laughs> um, so next up. All right, so next up, uh, Fast 9 star Song Kang teases his Obi-Wan Kenobi character has, <laughs> quote, sexual deliciousness, unquote. So Song Kang is in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and, 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 and says that. The uh, Fast 9 star sat down with, uh, what company is this? Article, where's this article from? Um, I mean, CBR, I mean, uh, comicbook.com's got the article, yeah, right. All right, so, um, to talk about the upcoming blockbuster, um, things got a bit strange when she asked what role he was playing in the Disney Plus show, Obi Wan Kenobi, and all he could offer was that line about sexual deliciousness. Um, if that admission has you massively confused, you are not alone. Um, it's likely that Sung Gang has been sworn to secrecy like most people involved with these large productions. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, and then the rest of the article, he talks about uh, 
um, his uh, happiness to, to 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 learn about how the fans reacted to his character in the Fast and Furious franchise and the whole uh, hashtag Justice for Han movement. Right. There's one thing I just added. It's just another casting thing for John Wick 4. I don't know if you see it on your sheet. Uh, yes, yes. I was about to do that now, actually. Um, John Wick 4 adds Mortal Kombat Scorpion. Oh, yeah, I think I did uh, see this, but I didn't pull it. So, uh, so I'm glad you did that. Um, John Wick 4 adds Mortal Kombat Scorpion, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. So this was reported by Deadline. Uh, Sonata is the latest actor to, to join the sequel, though his role remains unknown at the time. Chad Stilinski, the director of all the John Wick movies, said of the casting, Having long admired Hiroyuki as both uh, actor and action performer, I'm thrilled and honored to welcome him to the John Wick family, and it doesn't help that Mortal Kombat just came out. Right. Um, filming is expecting, expected to begin this summer. So, there you go. Uh, and that uh, ends the uh, the uh, cinematic section of the of the news, and we push over to the comic book news. Yeah, so we are transitioning over to the comic book news. But before that, I just wanted to uh, let people know a couple things. One, we are rapidly approaching a couple of these movies coming out. Um, you know, these, some of these big movies starting to come out as a result of uh, some of the uh, the COVID lockdown starting to ease up a little bit. We are like, you know, less than a week away or uh, from Fast Nine and sure. Black Widow. We're, there are already some early critic reactions coming out, so expect to see a lot of Black Widow stuff coming out in the next few weeks ahead of the July ninth release. Right. All right. Here, here we go. Marvel marks Pride Month with Black Cat's uh, first same-sex kiss. And this is spoiler alert for Black Cat number seven, which came out, what, last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think this is a book that you hadn't read, and I made sure not to spoil that part. Correct. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was last week or over for last. But, um, so basically it says here that um, it kind of goes through, um, basically her and Odessa Drake have a kiss. Um, in in uh, in this issue, I guess, and we already knew uh, that they had a history with each other uh, from the whole run of the books uh, or for of her book. So that's, I guess, is less of a surprise. We didn't know the extent of the um of the relationship. Uh, right, just, we don't know. Yeah, but there there's so much about this we do not know. Right. We at we you know we understood that they were rivals in a sense. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, obviously they're going to have plenty of room to explore, um, you know, the, the, their mutual shared story that uh, Jim McKay is going to be essentially creating from scratch. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. But this was a pretty big surprise to my, to myself as I've been reading Black Cat since they relaunched. You know, since they, since they since they launched her solo books uh, for the last several years, right, same. and this was this was a bit of a surprise to me. But you know, it's not it's not um, you know gigantic where it's like, well, that's out of character because Black Cat has always been very much uh, a seductress, and that's how they played her. And it's not a surprise that it would go that that she would play both ways, as it were. Right. Uh, yeah, and according to this article... Um, yeah, Black Cat, yeah, I was about to say, Black Cat came out June 2nd. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, and they, the, the, this article kind of uh, mentions uh, a reference of to 2010, 2020's Black Cat number 10, um, in which the, an old friend of Felicia's, talking about an old friend of Felicia's name, Tamara Blake, uh, and the two were holding hands under the table in a romantic note, no, uh, moment, meaning that, yeah, there's been shades of this um, in the past. So, yeah, there you go. Not not that big of a surprise for Felicia, um, but yeah, there it is. Next up, um, yeah, next up. That's you. Uh, is it me? Okay, yep. my apologies. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. That's what I get for looking up when that black cat issue came out. All righty. The Marvel Universe descends into chaos in the Darkhold, Alpha Number One. So this is one of those books that was delayed as a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. The wait is over. After months of speculation, the highly anticipated Darkhold saga will begin this September. The new Darkhold, the new Marvel Comics epic, will kick off in Darkhold, Alpha Number One, by Steve Orlando and extraordinary artist Clan Torme. Uh, I've actually never heard of this artist, so you got to help me out here, folks. Mm-hmm. In a story that will delight and terrify, the infamous Darkhold text has resurfaced, and the Scarlet Witch is the only hero who can prevent the dreadful havoc it's set to unleash. Uh, folks are wondering whether or not this may tie into the death of Doctor Strange. And uh, all signs point to possibly. And actually, it's uh, seeing Torme, and I do, yeah, in Justice Year Zero, uh, I do remember... Oh, CN. Oh, I'm sorry. It's kind of hard to see on that. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see with that type It's tiny. I'm reading it from far away, and it looks like an L. Yeah, because yeah, because I thought the same thing too until I like looked into it. <laughs> yeah, so no, that, no, that wouldn't trust me. That, that's not just you. Like that, that was yeah, I, I noticed that too. Uh, but yeah, so that's the thing. Uh, Peach Momoko reveals third chapter of Demon Day's story for Marvel Comics. Uh, Peach Momoko's Demon Days series uh, blew this the, whoever wrote this article away with uh, Demon Days X-Men and they can't wait to read the second entry, Demon Days Mariko uh, this month. Now Marvel Comics has revealed the third chapter in the series, Demon Days Cursed Web, uh, in which will feature a new take on Ghost Spider, Mystique, and Sabretooth. Um, and this, uh, the article's writer loves the way that Momoko blends the Marvel characters with Japanese folklore and then and the art is uh, to them phenomenal so cool uh, it will go available to read on September 1st of this year next alright next so we're going to skip this story because we yep. talked about it when we talked about Planet Size X-Men number one and move on to uh, something I just mentioned, though Scarlet Witch seems poised to be Marvel's next Sorcerer Supreme because Doctor Strange is going to die again. Uh, such is the life and the deaths of Marvel and DC superheroes and villains, where departing the mortal plane is almost always just a temporary layover. But Marvel's newly announced five-issue series that launches in September, The Death of Doctor Strange, does have an interesting wrinkle worth a closer look. The series will likely conclude in January, just two months before Benedict Cumberbatch's Stephen Strange returns to the MCU in March 20... God, that's going to be out in March? Mm-hmm. March 25th, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Crazy. Um, 
Yeah, also I read the article writer's name, and I think Michael Dorn is writing uh, for, for this website. What is going on here? But that's not it. Uh, why Marvel's Guardians? As a matter of fact, I'm going to take uh, one, two. I'm going to take these next, let's say, three, four. How about that? Um, oh, the video game ones. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Um, and while I set that up real quick, uh, I think. There we go. First one is. Why Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is a single-player game. So E3 just happened this uh, past week, and uh, there were some um, a, a lot of uh, video game announcements, uh, one of which being Marvel's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy video game, uh, which was announced by Square Enix. Um, and they showed some gameplay footage. Uh, this article pretty much... Um, well, there's also been a couple of articles, but I just pulled this one because apparently the, the this new game will not have a live service on it with, with it, and it's just a single player game. That's the weird part about this because uh, you are playing as Star Lord, and the rest of the Guardians are there, and you can do like little tomb up moves for them, but you can't switch to the other Guardian members. That's the weird part about this. That to me, because okay. Yeah, because like you could do like almost Marvel Ultimate Alliance style team up uh, attacks or setup attacks with 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 them, you just can't switch to them. That's uh, unfortunate. Huh? I said that's unfortunate. Yeah, kinda. Because it's like, well, wait, what's the point in having all of these here if you just can't if you can't switch to them? Like, maybe there's, there might be somebody who would play Star Lord the whole time. I don't know that many people who would be that person. <laughs> yeah, but. You get to take you take you get to take advantage of the first person shooter aspect. Um, it's well, it's third person, but yeah, uh, yeah. No, but you know what I mean, like yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of seeing it from the shooter's perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of crazy. So yeah, so apparently the um, they revealed the the team behind it revealed why they decided to make it a single player game to emphasize the team dynamic in the story, which that sentence right there doesn't make it make any more sense. Um. That's what led us to actually make it a single-player game, which, you know, is not necessarily what you would expect. Um, How do we put that tension in the team and the fact that they're so defined by the fact that they're together? This bunch of misfits does define the odds. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Let me see. Yeah, it says, uh, when you're part of the team, you don't control the team, you suffer the team. Uh, sometimes you influence the team. Sometimes the two uh, you will think alike and will sway you in a certain direction. Uh, that feels rich for the Guardians of the Galaxy. That feels like a misstep to me, but which it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, like I said, they showed some gameplay footage of it, and they showed you kind of uh, you know doing these little uh, setup team, and there was a lot of chatter, like more than probably should. I hope they toned tone down. Like yeah, the Guardians can get chat, uh, chatty, and there's definitely they're taking a little bit more inspiration from uh, the MCU with the exception of, cause, you know, cause just like any of the, of the other uh, uh, Marvel games of recently, they don't look like the characters. They don't look like the MCU characters rather. And they don't look like the comic book characters. So these are pretty much wholly newly faced uh, versions of the guardians uh, um, team. Uh, it's also being written by Dan Abnett actually. So interesting. Yeah. So, Somebody would know a thing or two about the Guardians, especially this version of the Guardians. So I have faith on that part. Um, but yeah, some, some the choice of it being being um, a, a single plane that you can't swap, swap 
through is kind of a thing. But the game is going to come out October 26th of this year on all platforms. So there you go. Next up, though, on that... Um, uh-oh. Oh, no. Okay. Um, Roddy Cat's in his bag right now talking about all these video games. I'm just going to, like, sit back and relax. <laughs> Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy will have no DLC or transactions, which is kind of basically saying, well, uh, reiterating what I'm saying about not being a, a, a live service. Um, so that's actually good news. I mean, I think they said they, they are going to do some little, little DLC, but not, like, paid uh, DLC. So there were, oh, no, it says here there'll be a few unlockable costumes. So it sounds like there's not going to be DLC or microtransactions like um, Marvel's Avengers had a whole lot of. Um, but, yeah, at least there'll be a couple of things here. Uh, there'll be some unlockable stuff like Marvel's Spider-Man game did and, and the Miles Morales game. Well, and the Marvel's Avengers also had. But speaking of Marvel's Avengers, the Black Panther fights uh, Claw for Wakanda in Marvel's Avengers expansion trailer. So that was another thing that came out during E3. Um, uh, it's a decent looking trailer. You can check it out. And the, the trailer is set to uh, Hana Bam's Make Way for the King. Pits the King of Uganda against his arch nemesis Ulysses Claw, a.k.a. Claw, who makes his physical debut after his involvement was teased in War for Wakanda's reveal trailer. Uh, the expansion follows Black Panther on his mission to defend Wakanda from Claw, who plans to, say it with me, steal the nation's vibranium for his own nefarious purposes. Yay! I know, right? Um, the good news about this, though, is going to be a free uh, expansion. Uh, I remember them saying during the course of this. So that's good. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to release. Oh, slated to launch this August. So there you go. Um, yeah, so there you go. It's, they, they're still supporting that game. Now, well, I, I, yeah, I just say I'm going to take this one. Last, in the, the video game comic book news, uh, give in to Purgatory's bloodlust on Marvel's Contest of Champions. Uh, the bloodlines have been drawn. Give in to her bloodlust. Claims the souls, uh, claim the souls of your foes and become champion as Purgatory enters the contest in Kablam's Marvel's Contest of Champions. Purgatory is a twisted demonic creature from an alternate timeline where Morningstar was able to defeat uh, Guillotine and steal her sword back. Uh, with the blade finally back in her hands, the demonic presence within it uh, overwhelmed Queen Hassan and convinced her to slay Guillotine. Doing so corrupted her both body and soul, transforming her into Purgatory and sending her on a bloodthirsty rampage unlike any scene in a millennia. I think this is a, a new um, fan-made character, but I am not entirely sure because I haven't played that game in quite a while. But, uh, yeah, there it's coming out soon if it's not out already. Next up, though, getting back on Next track. up, Hasbro, right, Hasbro has launched a Star Wars The Vintage Collection 4-pack that includes 3.75-inch figures of clone troopers Captain Rex, Captain Grey, Captain Ballast, and an elite squad trooper. The set was released as part of their collection inspired by the Star Wars The Bad Batch series on Disney+. Plus. Um... Uh, when pre-orders commenced, it is expected it was set to run for fifty nine ninety nine with a release date set for the fall. Yep, cool, and you can see the fixture figures um, if you're watching the video. And there's I know there's been some other stuff that we may or may not have been talking about uh, 
in passing. Actually, wait, we do have still another video game move. Should have moved this over. Uh, Pokemon Go creator Niantic is making a Transformers game. So basically, it's going to be, um, yeah, Pokemon and I mean, uh, excuse me, Transformers AR. Uh, let's see. The game developer announced its next project, a location-based augmented reality game called Transformers Heavy Metal. The game is expected to launch globally this year with a soft launch in select countries soon, quote-unquote. Niantic says that it's partnered with Seattle-based studio Very Very Spaceship, which will be leading development. Um, and it says here, in Transformers Heavy Metal, players will join the Guardian Network, I almost say Gundam, a group of uh, humans who have banded together with the Autobots in a war against the Decepticons. As a Guardian, players will uncover uh, hidden regions across Earth to find resources and battle Decepticons in turn-based battles, either solo or with friends. And it definitely looks uh, very much like uh, Pokemon Go. So, cool. Next up. Next up, Power Rangers fans saw a lot of pink during Hasbro's most recent Fan First Friday. This is going to be another one tomorrow. Uh, the mm-hmm. toy company showed off four new items, all of them involving the Mighty Morphin Pink Ranger. And uh, all of them are part of the Lightning Collection line. And all of them are exclusive to GameStop. Um, the first is the cell shaded action figure, which is a new thing uh, the team is doing. Available August first for twenty four ninety nine, and offers the Pink Ranger with the translucent pink bow and arrow. Um, uh, let's see what else is there. Then there is uh, some more stuff: uh, um, a pink helmet for seventy nine ninety nine. Available August first, and. Um, what is that a belt? Yeah, the, her power belt and her power coins. Okay. Yeah, and her morpher, I guess. Well, yeah, right. And it's a pack of figures. Yeah. So, folks, ch- uh, check this out. There's some brand new Pink Ranger uh, merch for you to get your hands on. Mm-hmm. It continues to be morphin time. Uh, Masters of the Universe Origins Eternian Royal Guard exclusive figures pre-orders are live. Uh, fresh off the debut of the trailer from Kevin Smith's Masters of Universe uh, Revelations Netflix series, which features none other than Mark Hamill voicing Skeletor, if you didn't know that already, Mattel has added the Eternian Royal Guard figure to their um, Masters of the Universe Origins lineup. It features a man-at-arms figure with a clean-shaven head sculpt and armor pieces that can be added to transform uh, it to a palace guard figure. Uh, in addition to armor pieces, the figures include a club, axe, and shield. And you can see it in the uh, video uh, if you're watching the video. Um, excuse me. Uh, Masters of Universe Origins Eternity and Royal Guard figure is available to pre-order from Entertainment Earth for 17 bucks and release date in September 2021. Um, wait. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Keep going. Next. Next up, uh, Jackson Hyde, known to fans of Teen Titans and the animated Young Justice show as Aqualad, is going to appear 
Well, no, will apparently graduate to the mantle of Aquaman this fall as he gets his own series titled Aquaman, The Becoming, this September, written by Brandon Thomas with art from Diego Olortegi, Wade Von Von Grawbadger, and Adriano Lucas. Aquaman, The Becoming, will mark Jackson Hyde's first solo title, albeit a six-issue series. It's unclear how Hyde will graduate into the mantle of Aquaman and if he will replace the original Aquaman, Arthur Curry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like we hadn't seen yeah. we hadn't seen Jackson uh, since uh, he was running with the Teen Titans like a couple of years ago. I don't remember. I so you know, it's an interesting it, but... way to bring the character back. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he showed up in Future State. So, uh, regardless, Slate Wilson recruited to take down DC's "quote unquote" heavy hitter villains in Deathstroke Inc. Uh, the recent Flash duo of writer Joshua Williamson and how artist uh, Howard Porter are reuniting, reuniting for a new DC series, Deathstroke Inc. Quote unquote, after suffering too many losses, Slade decides it's, uh, it's time for a change, reads the description of Deathstroke Inc. number one on the publisher's subscription page. When he's enlisted to work with an ages old secret organization called Trust, who want to take down the heavy hitter villains, he's all in. Uh, as this article says, the name Trust doesn't ring any bells for them uh, in reference to any DC secret organizations, but Deathstroke has had more trust issues than most anyone at DC, given his relationship to the Teen Titans and Zagadai. But it goes on from there. So, uh, let's see, it goes on sale September 28th. Next up. Next up. Fables is back with a Batman crossover and the return of the ongoing series. Six years after the end of Vertigo's seminal fairy tale series Fables by writer Bill Willingham, both Fables and its creator are back in an upcoming new DC crossover title along with the return of the ongoing series, picking up right where it left off next year. First up in, is the September debuting Batman vs. Big B, a Wolf and Gotham six-issue series featuring the fan-favorite Fables character crossing over into the DCU. The DC Black Label series is written by Willingham and with pencils by comic book tattoo artist Brian Level, inks by Jay Leaston, and colors by Lee Luffridge. Um, okay, that's cool. And uh, i got to open the article to see what happens to the return of the ongoing... Because I have friends that were big into Fables because they weren't really into, you know, like some of the mainstream superhero stuff. Right. I know somebody who's stoked to hear this when I um, shout out to my friend Kat. All right. Fables will then return on its own merits in May of 2022, just in time for its 20th anniversary, when the series picks up with Fables number 151, an interesting decision in this era of frequent relaunches and new number ones. The return begins with a 12-issue story arc, quote, The Black Forest, which picks up where the series originally ended, but what DC also calls a perfect jumping-on point for new readers. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I want to... I have never read Fables. Um, I have a couple of volumes, and I, I plan on it, because also they did a video game, Wolf Among, uh, A Wolf Among Us. Yeah, I want to make sure that's right and not think about Injustice. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, that that is kind of based off of uh, off of it, and Bigby, the character of Bigby, and uh, from Telltale. So yeah, I I, I kind of want to check out Fables because the premise seemed kind of cool. So glad it is back for fans of that series. Like I said, we we both know someone who's uh, some folks that are probably be stoked about this when they hear about it, or yeah, knows about who had who definitely was stoked when I told them about it. So, but um, anyway, 
Um, Action Comics celebrates Superman Day with the cover art reveal. Uh, so Action Comics celebrates Superman Day on June 12th uh, by sharing new cover art. Illustrator Daniel Sampier posted an image on his Twitter account that depicts what uh, appears to be Superman's son sitting on a porch and being consoled by Lois Lane Kemp uh, with a newspaper sitting at their feet. Meanwhile, a reflection in the mirror of the uh, in the window of the door behind them showing Superman flying high in the sky. And um, if you can, uh, if you are watching the video once again, you can see said image and said uh, tweet. So cool. Next up. Next up, a new Superman manga features the hero dealing with a more down-to-earth struggle struggle where to get lunch. Kodansha, the Japanese publisher best known for manga such as Attack on Titan and the quintessential quintuplets, revealed that, say that fast five times, revealed that its new Man of Steel story, Superman vs. Meshi, will begin serialization in its evening magazine starting June 22nd. Superman will also grace the cover of the next issue of the magazine with a new full-color illustration. Interesting. Yeah, as a matter of fact, someone just said that in the chat. Like, Superman manga might be interesting. Yeah, um, I might actually want to check that out. And Code and Shaw, if you're listening, how about um, uh, put our reader die back out? Thank you, please, and thank you. Um, but wait, does this say when? It says uh, see, June 22nd is when this will start the serialization in its evening magazine. So, actually, shit, that's next week. Um, right. Currently, neither Kodansha Kodansha or, yeah, or DC sure. have made any announcements regarding an English release of Superman versus Menchi. Menchi is apparently the Japanese word for meal. Right. So um, heat up those VPNs, I guess. Uh, yes, Office Nike. The Deadpool uh, manga, I believe, are already out or coming out. So, yes, that we well, I think we talked about that like months or probably about a month or two ago. But, yeah, that is definitely a thing that is uh, 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 available or will be available to you. Uh, next up, though, let's see. Former DC editor James S. Jamie S. Rich joins Tapas as editor in chief. So, uh, Hollywood Reporter broke the news. However, uh, rumors had been circulating about this ever since it was revealed that Rich was leaving DC. Uh, the hire com- completes a troika of moves of former DC execs to the mobile webcomic platform. Uh, Michelle Wells, the CCO, and Alex R. Carr was just hired as Senior uh, Director of Public Relations. Uh, as we mentioned, as was mentioned, when Carr was hired, Tapas uh, was recently acquired by Korean tech company Kakao for about half a billion dollars. Uh, Kakao seems ready to spend even more money hiring the kind of editorial staff that brings in new IP and develops even more existing relationships. Um, currently, the Tapas audience skew heavily towards teen and young adults who read content on their phones, uh, aka not in the U.S. <laughs> um, let's see Rich, Carr, and Wells are all experienced in producing material for young adult readers and all have contracts in traditional comics to expand new directions uh, DC Comics is repetitive and alright yeah, sure <laughs> uh, okay. but yeah, that's that huh? I said okay yeah, 
And that's the uh, you know the, the office deck in the chat said that. Uh, but yeah, moving right along. All right, next up, uh, help. I need somebody know, right? help. The Hero <laughs> Initiative anthology launches Kickstarter. Uh, Omar Spahi and Hannah Mean Shannon spearhead a Kickstarter campaign for help, a new graphic novel anthology benefiting the Hero Initiative. Um, it's a new graphic novel featuring a collection of one-page stories from a lineup of creators, including Kieran Gillen, Dennis Calero, Tim Seeley, Magdalene Visaggio, Sina Grace, Tony F- Fleeks, and more. The Kickstarter launched on June 15th. All proceeds from the graphic novel sales will go towards the Hero Initiative's mission of aiding comic professionals in medical or financial need, something that has taken on a whole new meaning in the wake of the of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um... This effort marks the Hero Initiative's first involvement in a Kickstarter campaign. The comics submitted to the anthology are described as open-hearted stories that examine what it means to help and how we experience aid and value it in comics. Okay. Yeah, the the one that they have, um, uh, for example, on the uh, articles page is this uh, young lady helping this old lady uh, seemingly climb up a hill, but apparently it's uh, them <laughs> them walking up the stairs to, her, to the old lady's apartment with her groceries with a mask on. So that was kind of amusing. Um, yep. And and as always with Kickstarters, there are tiers. So if you, you know, if you uh, pledge, you know, a smaller amount, you get one thing. But if you go up the tiers, you can uh, uh, get, you know, cooler versions, you know, mm-hmm. from digital to soft cover print to hardcover copy and then additional tiers which offer original artwork from select creators as rewards. So take a look at those tiers and, uh, you know, give what you can. Yeah, and it's for it's, it's uh, for a good cause. The Hero Initiative is 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 definitely a, a great cause. So, uh, last but not least, Anime Export List twenty twenty one presents uh, cybrid programming and panels. So, Anime Expo Light twenty twenty one presents special programming and panels hosted by Cybrid. No idea who it is. Um, as a part of this year's two day live stream convention running Saturday. July the 3rd through Sunday, July the 4th, which we've already heard of a couple of announcements that um, that they'll have there. Uh, Cybert, publisher of the popular Otami... Otomi oh, Is it Otomi or Otami? I can't remember. But uh, regardless, Romance Simulation uh, Ikemen series. I apologize if I'm butchering these names. But uh, joins Anime Expo Light 2021 to present Cyber TV with producer... Uh, Hiroto Kurimasa and special guest voice actor Yuki Ono. Uh, join them for a special announcement and the latest news about the upcoming Cybrid uh, releases. And after that, there is um, a schedule of uh, events or a couple of events, I should say, from uh, said event. Uh, and there you go, folks. That is... The last bit of news, and uh, we have come to the end of another Comic Book Chronicles. But first, can we get one more ad read? It's been a long night, folks. You know what we read when it's getting late. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books Music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, computer parts, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, 
Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another exciting episode of this here Comic Book Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for coming out, whether it's live during the recording, um, or later in the audio, or watching this later, uh, whichever way you plan on watching this. Um, I have been Ronnie Cat. Uh, you can find me at Ronnie Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70, you see right there. You can find him on Twitter at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore dirt uh, on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all his umbrella sites therein. But you can, uh, well, and you can also probably still find him under that Vine replacement, um, whose name I just just, just escaped me, uh, under comic reviews, no fouls. Bite. B-Y-T. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles um, Twitter account. You can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter, which is D K L I Q N A T I O N. If you look above me, it's also, that's kind of how there you go, it's right there. Uh, the Click Nation uh, on Twitter. Uh, but you can also find him at Comic Book Resources, that's uh, CBR.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Definitely go check my man's out. And by the way, uh, uh, it is uh, which I kind of hate giving him his number, uh, his his government, but that's kind of how they don't go by uh, handles on CBR. So it's Tim Adams. Definitely go check out his work because he's doing a lot of good stuff over there. Um, and I'm not just saying that because we know him and and you know, and he's the the he's the founder of this issue, but he's actually doing some good stuff over there. Um, you can find this here podcast on uh, the Coast of the Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. And again, like I said, you can uh, find us every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, where we record live, either on, well, on both, rather, because we're doing this simultaneously, on YouTube.com slash DClickNation and Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. So, yeah, you know, smash that like button and all that, that kind of good jazz. And with that, folks... Um, we'll be back next week with uh, another show and another recap of Loki and some more comic book goodness. Uh, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Doctor Doom? What's on your ear?